Welcome to Hoopsville on this Monday evening. It is the Bracket Breakdowns special. We know who's in and who's out of the NCAA tournament. Congratulations to all the teams that made it. Bravo to all of you. And now the rest of it is, uh, well, it's known. It's on to Fort Wayne for the men and on to Pittsburgh for the women. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Welcome into the show. If you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com, which reminds me, you should start our email, shouldn't we? Also, join us on Facebook, where we're live simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also join us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Hoopsville. That's how you can interact with us. We hope you'll take advantage of those opportunities, and we'll look forward to hearing from all of you who care to dive in. Uh, of course, those mediums have been pretty popular over the last few days. So the men's and women's brackets are out, not without a little bit of hiccups. The men's bracket delayed by about 15 minutes. I think that resulted, unfortunately, in the bracket being posted on NCA.com, and that had some for awkward moments, according to some individuals I talked to. Um, just not communications there at Turner. And then the women's bracket came out at 2.30. The technical glitches on the men's side, I, I can tell you, were, were definitely happening. Um, but congratulations. Well, we're gonna do, Here's what we're going to do tonight. In a moment, I'm going to play a huge uh, reactions piece from videos we've seen online or sent to us of teams reacting to the news. And then we're going to uh, bring in Pat Coleman at the very least, get a, initial reactions. Then in, in about 25 minutes, we're going to hear from both committee chairs. We're going to start with men, then have an overlap, then go to women. And then we'll come back and react more. Uh, normally, we've tried to slam in some guests on this show. To be honest, it's just uh, it's too much. Got to cut it back somewhere, and that's where I'm cutting it back today. So there you go. But the reactions are worth it. I put this together figuring we get a couple of minutes worth of these. That's about it. Nothing, no big deal. Um, but it ended up uh, quite a bit more, and they are worth every minute. We start with those who were on the bubble, those who weren't sure if they were getting in. I start with Catholic, and there's a long time here with the women because look at their faces. They are clearly getting nervous whether they've made this tournament or not. We can smile about it now knowing they've made it, but here you go. Bombers, who are in after knocking off St. Lawrence this past weekend. Third straight conference title for Ithaca, 20 games or more. They have won 11 times now the last 12 seasons. Also the 16th appearance now under the Dan Raymond era. The Bombers open up with Catholic. After <laughs> shooting team in the country. It's a great combination this time of year. Big exhale for the Springfield. Yeah! <laughs> 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 seen all the time record, including a national championship in 1990. Despite a loss to Hood of the Mac Commonwealth. the national quarterfinals that year. The Titans from Wisconsin, Oshkosh. Oh! 
open the tournament with North Central after the Rams took the AQ bid by winning the Upper Midwest Athletic Conference yesterday over Minnesota Morris. An amazing run for the Rams who won their first ever conference championship. And North Central do not overlook the North Central team. Quietly out of the UMAC, but that's a conference known for upsets in first rounds. Blue Golds, you've been warned. Do not get distracted over <laughs> North Central or they will trip you up. Representing the America Southwest Conference. They will take on 22 and 4 Chapman. Let's go! Game on the season. Whitworth is in the number one ranked team in the most recent. Yeah! 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 It's time to celebrate out on the Eastern Shore. Welcome back to the NCAA Tournament to Salisbury. Moving on, we see UMass Dartmouth. Two straight ends. 
just said our oh, name. Yeah. Pretty good reactions, to say the least, from everybody there in those videos. Probably better, best ones I've seen out there, at least ones we've gotten our hands on over the years. Uh, thanks to all of you who sent yours in, or we maybe just stole them online. A couple, two, three in there, maybe, that we just found online. Uh, Catholics was great. Springfields was awesome. They were all great, but uh, Springfields was really pretty good. Elizabeth Towns was pretty good, too. Um, I loved Wesleyan. Uh, <laughs> wait, they said our name. Yeah, they, they did say your name. They did. And you should have known that name was coming because you automatically qualified. So congratulations. Uh, let's talk about all this and figure out what it all means and all of that jazz and make up some stuff maybe along the way. Because at this point in time, I don't know what I'm really saying. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotlines, Pat Coleman, editor-in-chief of D3Hoops.com. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a little brain dead, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but overall, listen, a couple uh, couple thoughts I have. You, you, you can fill in the holes, maybe. I thought the men did a pretty decent job. Some interesting creative uh, bracketing, some interesting travels. For example, we know that... Pomona Pitzer did not put into host. I think that kind of forced their hand. Not in the way we heard a couple of years ago, but I think legitimately forced their hand. Women's side, to be honest, would like to have seen a little more creativity. A lot of a lot of in-region matchups in the first round that could have been avoided even by just swapping them across. But uh, I don't know what your reaction was. You might have had more time to actually pay attention. Well, yeah, because you uh, your, your day today, for people who don't know, right, is you're starting uh, with this bracket, you know, nine to 10 hours ago or so, uh, and then slamming together notes in order to, uh, and, and getting dressed up nice-ish. Try, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you've got to work on your tie game. You should wear a tie. You should yeah. probably wear a tie. You need to work on um, some other things first. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand that also. Um so I know what the, I know what those days are like. That's pretty crazy. Um, I did get a chance, and I know obviously we're going to talk with Mike Shower uh, later on in the show. I chatted with him for a couple of minutes this afternoon too, um, assuming that you know he says the same sort of thing is coming up later. I think what we knew is uh, what we expected is that 600 miles gives them a lot more flexibility and the ability to do some interesting things, like send W and J to Elmhurst. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that. I don't remember now because we projected so many things over the course of last night and swapped so many, um, like Ryan Scott and I are still swapping four <laughs> seeds around brackets at like 1220, 1.20 Eastern this morning. I'm like, Ryan, I got to cut this off. <laughs> yeah, but I'm pretty sure got to give it up. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure W and J to Illinois was on our bracket. Um, and, you know, uh, Wabash to, to Emory was something that was foretold several weeks ago was a possibility. Um, it's fun to have a little more creativity. And to be honest with you at this point, what's an extra hour and a half on the bus, right? I, I think when it, what was, everything was said at the beginning of the, the men's selection show, when, you know, the anchor says we've been waiting weeks, months, maybe even years for this bracket to come out or something like that. And, and, I'm, and my immediate thought is yes. And an extra 15 minutes, Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just happy to have an NCAA tournament back. Um, I agree with you, right? The women's bracket always could use maybe a little bit more thought about can we, how can we intermix these regions as much as possible by moving 
threes and fours around in pods. Uh, the men do this really well and have done it really well for quite some time now. They basically pioneered the concept. So we remember what how mind-blowing it was now, probably eight or so years ago, to think that um, when the when a committee person told us, yeah, we try to get all we try to get four regions into every pod as much as possible. Loved it. Yeah, right? I know. Like um, awesome. And now it's you know, it's great to see that happen on a regular basis. Really love that men's bracket. Love the, you know, the staggering of times. Um, I just finished putting together the scoreboard page that runs us from one o'clock Eastern all the way down to the last game that tips off at 8.15 Eastern, 7.15 Central. It's going to be an amazing day yeah. that, uh, that Friday of games. And I'm really looking forward to that. And I might have to call in sick or something like there that. There you go. I forgot to take a couple of little off. notes. There were a couple little shadows on the men's side to 2020. There's Yeshiva versus Hopkins yeah. in the first round, which I, the second I saw that, I smirked. I had some people say, well, why? I said, come on. I mean, if you didn't it's see that one coming. That's intentional. I believe. Yeah. yeah. That was, they, it was that or Randolph making in my book. It, they were getting sent to one of those two. Um, yeah. Pomona pitchers on a flight to Elmhurst again. Right. They're not <laughs> again, playing Elmhurst right? right away, but they'll be on a flight to Elmhurst, which they were yeah. in 2020 when things got pulled. Uh, I I did. I liked it. Um, I got a note on this. Marietta Madai played seven years ago uh, in the first round. In the tournament? Boy, things I no longer remember. No, I got that as a note. I, I did not know that. I got that as a note from somebody <laughs> who would know. Of course, Rochester's heading back to Marietta. I've already been asked if I can go broadcast that by a particular individual because they think that I'm good luck in Marietta. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it, unfortunately. Um so, no, I thought the men had some – and then some interesting decisions. Listen, Swarthmore is hosting. I think that got a couple of questions. And I think there's a couple things there. One, you've got some some mileage in play. I don't know if if Hood could have gotten up to Oswego, to be honest. But on top of that, Swarthmore had a better resume. Uh, nothing against Oswego, yeah. but Swarthmore had better re- regional ranking. They had a better SOS. Um, there were a lot of reasons there uh, to give Swarthmore that game. And I think we saw that one coming when we saw the top 16 come out. Right, exactly. I mean, that's one of the extra things about this year, right, is a lot of this stuff was foretold for us a couple of weeks ago. Um, I went back and referenced that uh, that reveal of the 16 last night as I was putting together, you know, the bracketing based off of the at-large selections that you guys and the team. Kudos to both, by the way, both yeah. of our mock committees, 19 out of 20 uh, for the at-larges on both of them. That is 19 out of 20 is what I consider. Oh, the standard for us for men. Yes. I would be disappointed if we miss more than one. For the women, though, getting 19 out of 20 is a significant improvement over where we've been some of the previous couple Absolutely. of years. That one seems to be a little bit harder to project. And I was glad we had more smart people in the room on those two calls yesterday. And I could just sit back here and type my butt off. I was actually glad and- Gordon jumped in on that. He, he, he and, and I'm trying not to throw him under the bus because he downplays a little bit of his knowledge. But he was beneficial and helpful in that. I thought it was great to have him. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I don't know why we didn't consider WNL. I, I just, cause I can't remember. But I think you guys talked about WNL. They were on the board. Oh yeah. For several um, rounds. It's a, right. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a resume that's similar to a bunch of the others, which I understand makes it really difficult to, you know, to kind of distinguish where things go from there. So I could understand why you went with St. Lawrence. Yeah. I wanted someone in the field who wasn't even on the board, of course. And I think that UC Santa Cruz does not get uh, is, you know, if I were UC Santa Cruz, I mean, I re- I reviewed uh, Todd Kent's appearance on Hoopsville from last Thursday. And you asked him, it's like, why are you guys in division three? And I would be asking myself that question. If it were me, 
right now, knowing that you can't, can you get a fair shake if you're UC Santa Cruz right now? I, I feel for those guys uh, and those young ladies, I feel like that's a team that deserved at least to be at the table for goodness sake. And you remember um, Dave, you know, we, we weren't even sure until looking at the handbook, what they were going to do with the C2C, right. The coast to coast conference and putting them all in different regions meant that you didn't have, you know, really uh, a good way to reflect that head to head of UC Santa Cruz ahead of Salisbury in basically every other conference other than the UAA. UC Santa Cruz would have had to been ranked ahead of Salisbury, most likely in the regional rankings, would have gotten to the table first and might well have gotten selected. Um, but because there one of them was in the six and the other is in the 10, that that gets that head to head gets, yeah, gets it's, blown up. It's funny because we talk about the UAA and the benefit of being in multiple regions benefits them, especially on the men's side. In this case, this is the downside of it that a, a result yeah. that you have may not come to fruition because you're just not in the conversation at the same time because you weren't in the conversation to start with. Um, By the way, I I found the the latest ranking, not rankings. Rankings aren't up yet, thank you, Turner Sports. uh, The sheets. And and one other individual. But we at least have the data sheet. Nine and four was their win-loss with a 692. Four and four against regionally ranked opponents with a 653 SOS. Yeah, it's an all over the place resume. It it is a hard one to really digest. And we struggled last night. We even took the time to say, do we reconsider this decision of not putting them ahead of whoever we had? Redlands. Um, I'm still on the fence. And I got an email from Todd today and I'm not going to share all the details, but he, you know, I had to spend some time explaining it to his team, which I get. And even I sit here now going, I, man, I, I don't know if I can get you in, but I also understand the argument to get you in. I I'm I don't know, and I agree with you. I think COVID hurt him this year because I think he had a little trouble getting the games he wanted. He obviously lost some games that would have helped. Right? Our uh, games yeah. wouldn't have hurt anyway, the games in Las Vegas, right? And we'll see them, by the way, in Las Vegas next year. Um he would have gotten other games that work, wouldn't worked out. He played a Tufts game while, while shorthanded. I mean, there's there's a, a bunch of yeah. things you can go into. So I kind of feel like this is a one-off, and I understand why they say in D3. But your point is fair. Um, It's just – I don't know what to, what to say there. I agree. I, I know you were arguing behind the scenes. I kept trying to just put my phone away. I'm like, I can't. I cannot read that. <laughs> I cannot – because I was using that screen. Usually my Slack screen's over here, but that's where my selection screen was today. And so I'm like, no, I can't read my text. I can't read my text. But well, I mean, and also just for, for a second, backing up a second, yeah, kudos yeah. to Matt, right? That's Matt Snyder who set up all the uh, right, the, right, the right, spreadsheet right. stuff to make that super easy and manageable on screen. I remember how it used to be done before. Yes. Super painful, uh, messy as you know what. Yeah. Uh, so um, you know. A huge kudos to everybody oh, who participated. Yeah. No, it was great. The panel was awesome. I mean, again, on the women's side, you got Hope and LaRoche, Marietta and Wittenberg on four, and you're kind of like, Gah! right. And that then you, on the other side, you got Milligan. You said, I think you said so on the show too. And yeah, I know, yeah, exactly. I You've tried, got four yeah. Great Lakes teams. I try to be gentle. To we got yeah. Milligan, Wartburg, Eau Claire, and North Central, and the other four. And I'm just like, geez, you could just take two and just kind of <clears throat> move that. Yeah. I mean, but then they also showed signs that they were thinking about it because WNL's up at NYU. All right. Yep. I mean, that that's pretty darn good. But then you also have Shenandoah taking on um who was it? 
just Southern Virginia. Yeah, Southern Virginia in Transylvania. Like, okay, but maybe we swap out the Southern Virginia for the team Transylvania is playing. Whitworth or Whitman, I should say, is playing uh, Whittier. Right, Whittier, while Harden Simmons is playing Trinity. Maybe balance wise, you can correct me on this. Maybe balance wise, Whittier playing Harden Simmons and Trinity playing Whitman isn't fair or or whatever. And I get I that. Think, I think Whitman is the top seed. Basically, That's how it's I felt. Add Harden, it's just add Harden Simmons right. because of travel would be my guess. Something to ask Meg Wilson about right. later. But that's and what I it looks figured like that. But you know, you just just little things like that. Uh, Smith's playing Farmingham State with Emmanuel's playing Brooklyn. Now I like the Emmanuel Brooklyn there, but maybe we can do something else for Smith. Um, just, yeah, there's a there's a little more of that than I wanted to see, considering the men clearly got some options. And by the way, second weekend, some interesting flight options. Maybe the purse strings were a little loose. Well, it is interesting, right? I mean, there's certainly it's always difficult to project who's going to advance and where those games are going to be played. I've we've noticed this over on D3 football quite a bit in recent years is like the quarterfinal round, which for football purposes is the third round. There's often some crossover. So like in the past, it was like Delaware Valley went to North Central um, and that sort of thing. You know, things are Salisbury going to Whitewater, that sort of thing. You wouldn't necessarily expect to see. There's a little bit of that. Hey, I'm going to tell you, Dave, uh, Ryan is wait. Ryan Scott's being wait, oh. waiting to be let in. And yeah, maybe sorry. We could have Thank him you for catching too. that. Now I got to change yeah. the camera shot. So bear with me here. Oh, there he is popped in. So I just got to adjust the shot. He can certainly join us. We got a little bit of time here before we, uh, we chit chat. Now we're all cut off right now, but just talk, just talk. Sure. Yeah. Um, like, so I was, Ryan, I was describing how you and I, mostly you were doing the work of kind of rearranging the threes and fours in some of our pods at like one twenty in the morning uh, <laughs> on the men's side. And we were talking about how, you know, the women's bracket is maybe not necessarily as maybe that that uh, I wasn't taken on this bracket uh, when they did that. We especially like, for example, the one that really jumps out is that top white right quadrant with Hope and LaRoche and Marietta and Wittenberg. Those are all four teams from the Great Lakes. I don't remember if they're all in the seven. I think they're all in the seven, right? Um, those yeah. are the sorts of things that the men's committee is very big on swapping around and it would be nice to see that in the women's bracket too. They do definitely tend to, to try to keep teams closer to home if they can. They don't care as much about mixing up the regions um, if it means a shorter drive, I guess. Yeah, and I, and I don't even know how much... We know, obviously, they used 600 miles uh, when they sent everybody to Rhodes, uh, when they <laughs> sent Mary Harden-Baylor and that bracket up to Rhodes. Our projection had Rhodes coming down to Mary Harden-Baylor, six to one, half dozen to the other. Yeah. It's 593 miles to do that. Well, that decision um, came down because know. Mary Harden Baylor men ended up hosting, so they just took no, the Mary Harden Baylor right. pod well, and went over to Rhodes. But the they, point being is, I don't know how much I don't know how many six hundred mile matchups there are in this fair. in that bracket. Fair. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, just because Mary Harden Baylor hosted, I assume that they would then move it to East Texas Baptist. Um, but ultimately, they decided, and I wonder if because neither of those teams ended up winning the ASC tournament. They, they gave Rhodes the reward and sent both of those teams on the road. And it's possible. This is one of those things where when we eventually get to see the final regional rankings, that will help us out too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, know that's a Which good Which as of this recording uh, and live broadcast are not yet. I'm out. still looking at the data sheets are out, but the uh, the rankings are, are not. We know they've been sent. We just haven't seen them. So um, like DePaul, Illinois, Wesleyan, they – that's a frequent matchup in the regular season. Um, and it's not, 
not super creative to see them playing each other here. It's that's a DePaul, Illinois Wesleyan, Whitewater Ripon pod. Right. Is pretty, you know, pretty by the book, pretty cut and dried. Oshkosh, Wisconsin Lutheran, Simpson, Gustavus Adolphus. Yep. Is, you know, now you get you get tied up in that part of the country if you don't have a lot of at large bids to play around with. It's true. Um, it makes it more difficult to bracket Bates and Roger Williams with WNL at NYU. Could one of those not be a, a New England team? I understand, right? Maybe Roger Williams is in the two, and I know Bates is in the one, and I'm still not quite sure on which New England conferences are in the two and which are in the one. I, I NESCAC <laughs> one, New Mac two. That's Lily's as far as two, I can go. GNAC one. Yeah. Where uh, is the LEC two? NECC two. All four okay. of them. So then the CCC must be in one. Then. Yeah. That would be where I Roger Williams. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's two ones <laughs> and WNL and NYU, right? Well, and then so well, couldn't one of those have been New Jersey City or something, right? Right. Well, I love the New Jersey City spot. I think that's I think that's a great spot for them. Sure, but they could have they could have played in New England, and someone out of New England can always get to Scranton. Yeah. The only and again, we can talk about this later too. But again, let's look in the right corner. Hope Milliken. I'm just taking who probably is the top. So Hope, not maybe not Milliken, Milliken or or Claire doesn't matter. NYU. Let's call it Scranton. Yeah. If chalk goes, there's got to be a flight there, right? There's 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 no middle that I can find. Right. There's there's two flights. Yeah. Potentially, right? I, I'm not I'm not assuming on Scranton, but I'm I would think that was that would. Yeah, be. you can't get you can't get Scranton to Hope and can't get Hope to Scranton. Um, and NYU is even further east. You can't than get Scranton Hope to Scranton. No, you cannot. We checked that earlier. Okay. Boy, no, we I'm... said we went so many ways on this. No, I'm sure. We, I, I don't we, doubt you. I'm just huh. what we did discover last night, Dave, is that you can get St. John Fisher to hope not going through Canada now, but I it's 600 miles. Remember how they, I think they Geneseo. set up something very close to that once. Geneseo. Yeah. yeah. Geneseo. That's it. it was right. Geneseo hope. And I don't remember who else. Yep. yep. That was going to hope. And all of a sudden it wasn't, or it right. was gone. Yeah. That's what it was. And then but it was going to Geneseo. I, I also wonder because Pat and I talked about this when we were doing the mock bracketing too. Is if you're you're not using very many flights in the first round, which neither the men nor the women had to do, if they're a little looser about how they're they're bracketing the second weekend because they're not as worried about the budget. It's possible. I did get an email from someone going, "Well, geez, if they're going to allow those flights in the second weekend, why don't they use them in the first weekend?" I think it's a double-edged sword. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Well, and if you give, you know, Whitman their host you're flying three flights there and then you've potentially got two orphans for the second weekend like you're you, they add up real quick yeah they do if you don't combine them the first weekend they you know you may end up with like six the second weekend if you don't plan it right the first weekend right well i don't like the fact that we just automatically lump all the orphans together we do that in no. football a lot too um <clears throat> but well, and uh, every once in a while we'll see a, an orphan go somewhere else we saw it what in 2020 i think we saw it and on the men's side, Ramona Pitzer going to Emory, for example, right? Yep. Like our and our mock, I think I pulled Wittenberg out and sent them to Whitman or something like that. You know. Yeah. Uh, we and saw who was it? Who, Penn State Abington, I think, got sent all the way to George Fox. A few yeah, it was Abington. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And and I think that the women's committee was pretty. I mean, as as much as they can, was a pretty elegant solution to to kind of have Whitman and and Whittier there in Texas and to get two of the Texas teams and not just one of them out, you know, it's, it's not what we like, but with our constraints, I think that's a really, a really interesting and kind of creative way to do it. Well, and they didn't have a four team pod that forced them to have an ASC game, but that's very possible right. that that's how gave them the excuse that they needed because the policy says they can't have it. 
I mean, you could have a Mary Harden, Baylor Harden Simmons national championship game. Right. And that's probably, you've probably never been able to say that in any sport in NCAA division. <laughs> certainly not football, sir. <laughs> no, certainly not football. My goodness. That was a, that right? was a so bit like of a these shot. These are the sort of things that have, that have happened lots of other times, right? You know, yeah. relatively set up so that you could have two CCIW teams meet in the title game or even two WIAC teams or something like that. Um, so, you know, it's, this is not a year where necessarily those are two of our top five teams or something and should be separated for competitive balance, but it's nice that at least it's possible to put them all the way on opposite ends of the bracket. Well, and that was the one thing with the the men's bracket that they didn't flop the sides the way that we, we might've thought. So like you can't have two WIAC teams or two CCIW teams in the championship game this year. They, put all of them on the same side of the bracket, which is something that men's committees, at least in recent years, have been pretty good about doing. You know, we've got Marietta and Randolph-Macon on one side and Oshkosh and, I guess, Emory on the other side, um, which is is just a little less creative than they've been been recently. Yeah, that's um, a good point, right? For people who don't understand, you've got your four quadrants of the bracket here, and it doesn't matter. You can match up. You're caught, it costs you the same to get all four of those teams to Fort Wayne or all four of those teams to Pittsburgh. So instead of having them like this and this, you could have them like this and this so that, you know, they meet in the finals instead of the semifinals. Um, I just sent you an email, Pat. What region would you oh, like to know? What region would I like to know about regional rankings? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one through 10. Oh, I see. Look at this. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice. Yes, it this is. is nice. helpful. Somebody's listening and being very cooperative. Should have noticed it 20 minutes ago, but whatever. Yeah, uh, we're, we're busy, right? Yeah. Um, um, so, so UC Santa Cruz was behind Redlands and they were also behind Pacific. So there was not a chance for uh, UC yeah. Santa Cruz. To get to and and we had them behind Redlands, but they're right. definitely further down uh, than that. Um, we'll ask Megan Washington. Wilson, what was the bugaboo with that? And it's probably the nine and four. Um, but then again, I know they lost I mean, some games this year. I, again, I think it's a one year thing, but. It still sucks. I mean, did they get their, did they got their waiver, right? They did the work, right? Yeah, but nine and four is not going to be a great percentage, even if they have the waiver. This is traditionally a group that values winning percentage. Right, right. In the men's, it might have been a different conversation, to be honest. Just the way it's been done. Um, and we got that hint last night. I talked to some. Well, look at Roger Williams is in the two. Look at that. Yeah. I talked to some committee members uh, and former committee members. And, and I think there's a, a real debate on the women's side now because some former committee members were like, I, we feel like the SOS needs to have a little bit larger conversation. It shouldn't take over. I don't think that's what they are trying to indicate, but I think they're trying to say, okay. listen, to some degree, this SOS is supposed to be there and we, we tend to push it aside. I might be saying that wrong. I don't know, but that's just the gist I got from a couple of conversations I had yesterday with former members. Well, and one of the things we haven't had, I mean, um, you know, uh, Fitzpatrick mentioned it uh, last night in the middle of the men's call, right? He alluded to the Lancaster Bible situation of five or six years ago, where if they had lost in their conference championship game and been 28 and one or 27 and one, their SOS was so low, they couldn't possibly select them. Um, you know, Webster, right? You think about how far Webster is down in these regional rankings, which is to say they are not in these not. regional rankings, even here in the final. Um, you know, I the, but the women haven't had to face one of those situations. Right. Like if, if, you know, think of what would happen uh, if Webster lost in the SLEAC championship yeah. game or something like that, and they're 26 and one or 25 and you, one or whatever. 
And you you have to believe the women would find a way to get him in and the men wouldn't. <laughs> Not possible. I mean, that that is definitely that's definitely the that's definitely what they've shown us over the course of the past yeah. several years anyway, right? Well, I think is interesting is that the SOS doesn't play a factor in one case, but it seems like it plays a factor in another. Yeah, it is that I don't know. You I know, don't know. I've Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um I really and I said this to I said this at least to you, Dave, uh, personally offline at some point over the course of the past few weeks is I actually feel really good about where the women's committee is right now. In some years, we don't necessarily have that feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like, um, you know, first off, if nothing else, like Meg Wilson came from the WIAC, right? Yep. She was uh, at Platteville before uh, getting to her current position. Oh, Platteville then at- Stevens Point where she played Platteville's- and now, yeah. Yeah. And now at Luther, right? So um, you know, that I, I feel like that's a little bit helpful too. Sometimes we've had people come from conferences that are not really nationally competitive. And I just wonder if they have the same perspective on the game that you would expect them to have for something like this. To quote Tim Fitzpatrick, sometimes it's a little more political. Sometimes yeah. it is. I was surprised to hear that. Not surprised that it's true. Um, uh, I'm yeah. surprised to hear that. I like to be a fly on the wall in those conversations sometimes, obviously. I think I think we've also seen that the women's committee has taken a little longer to cycle in the next generation of coaches into that process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw the men's the the men's procedures start to change once kind of those people who were largely in charge in the 90s were beginning to kind of cycle out of that process. And I think it took maybe just a little bit longer for the similar cohort on the women's side to, to cycle through. Maybe I would say this too. I'm going to add one more kind of variable to this conversation and say that, you know, for so long and it's still a case in a lot of places, um, that's a part-time job. The head coaching head coach of women's basketball is often a part-time job or it's combined with something else. There's just not as many people who have had traditionally, I mean, lately, maybe not the past 10 years, but traditionally have not had the opportunity or the time to devote to something like that because they're also I don't know if they're teaching PE classes or working a they're teaching off campus or what. Um, I think that's been a that's been to the detriment of uh, the development of some of those people in some of these processes. Probably fair. Well, and we know, I mean, at least the men have been pretty pretty upfront in saying that they they don't think a coach can be the chair on the men's side unless they have a strong full time assistant who can pick up a lot of that slack. John Panner. I mean, at Wheaton. Sorry, I just like to yeah. throw that name out there because it's been a while since we've said his name. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of work, and especially when you're coming down to the time when it's important for your team to be playing well, you you have to have someone who can who can do some of those things that yeah. you're not going to have time to do. And I and listen, not to to dig into that hole too hard, but I honestly think Kevin Vanderstreek that became. A bone of content, not a bone of contention, but 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 a bit of an issue. He was by himself at Calvin. He didn't have any assistance. He wanted to do a good job with the committee, and I think you saw both with the program and with the committee work where that tug of war was taking place sometimes, and it didn't it work was a out. Pretty good. It was a pretty good committee, but his team suffered, is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Well, and I think he had some moments there where he had dug in so hard with the committee that I think even there was some moments you could spot that maybe the committee would wish they had done a little bit better. And I'm, we're, we're nitpicking maybe a little bit, but definitely I think the program suffered as a result. And that's not a knock on Kevin. I think he really wanted to take the job seriously and the school wasn't 
they, 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 they bent a little bit for him. They, they moved around classes so he could teach more in the first semester than in the second right. semester and all that stuff. But he and didn't he have an teaching. assistant. And he was teaching. I forgot about that. Right. So I, I think there's an argument there. And, you know, right or wrong. I mean, the, the, you know, Mike Shower certainly has said how much the assistant means. And, and we've heard others. Not that I want an administrator always as the chair, though Megan Wilson's a great pick because being a former coach gets it. Yes. There are sometimes we've had some chairs who are not former coaches and it has shown. So. Well, I mean, some of our, some of our non-coaching chairs have been really good too, right? I'm, oh, I'm absolutely. Atkinson right off the top of it. If you bring a specific, a, a certain set of skills to the job, right? In this case, having a little bit uh, more marketing uh, insight and foresight to it and, you know, really expanding, you know, these staggered tip off times, right? Um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a that's a marketing person did that right? Yeah, um, to some degree, maybe we're being a little painting too broadly because I just thought about Tim Fitzpatrick. Uh, obviously, he he's had that D one experience and he was at Indiana. He certainly brought in a lot of those ideas. Jeff Burns is a they coach. Didn't get implemented until recently, right? True, but Jeff Burns is a coach. Granted, in soccer, but he understands it. So maybe it's a little broad of a brush. But I can think of a few chairs who who you could tell. The lack of understanding that coaching side of things was challenging. And I understand why we have a split of the administrator 50-50, because we also know how the old boys networked, for lack of a better description, didn't help. It did it was detrimental <laughs> yeah. um, to the yeah. process. Um, Absolutely. We could keep going, but I, I we have the chairs waiting. So I want to get to them. We'll come back and talk to you guys. We're going to start with Mike Shower, then we'll bring them both in, then Megan Wilson will join us. Um, and then we'll come back if you guys want, and we'll uh, recap what they had to say and recap the tournament and see if anybody else has any questions. I could be back here. That's works for me. Guys, appreciate the initial insight, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Pat Coleman, Ryan Scott. teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We 
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Sorry, the ad rolled over again. We'll fix that later in post, as they say. I'm starting to notice the voice is wearing out, so we'll hopefully get through this uh, show with all all good. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming to you from the Hoopsville Studios, presented by NA, or from the NABC Studios, presented by D3Hoops.com. Thanks to our partners at Sensible Sports Marketing, the NABC Blue Frame Technology Jersey Genius, including the WBCA as well. want to appreciate all their support, and we'll talk more about how you can support them for supporting us. Coming up, men's bracket and women's bracket are out. Men's bracket was first. A little bit delayed getting out at 2.45 due to some tech issues. Um, during our recording of that production. Uh, but it got out smooth, though there was one gremlin. We'll talk about that as we bring in... Oh, I just realized I don't really have a good camera shot set up for this, but uh, we'll make it work. Uh, Mike Schauer, who's the National Committee Chair. Of course, Mike, I'm, I got to block... It. You're not from Hood, so I need to block off the basketball that I randomly have on there. There we go. Now he joins us. Hey, Mike, good to see you. Uh, I see you're back home, at least. I am. I'm back home. Got uh, I actually got home in time to watch the selection show with with my team, and then uh, you know just got done with practice. So excited to join you. It's, it's kind of been a whirlwind, 36 hours, but here we are. I was going to go somewhere else, but I got to ask, um, what's it like to watch a show, knowing the answer, but trying not to give that away? Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I've, I've obviously, to be honest, I've obviously done it before. I did it in, in 2019. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's my guys, my guys are excited, but at the same time, because I told them we were going to watch the show, they knew, I mean, I wouldn't tell them to do that. And then we're not in. So they knew we were going to get in. Some did. And so, uh, and then, you know, so it was fun. It was a good, good experience. It was great. And you were excited to be in and excited to, to get going and kind of start this quote unquote new season and the energy that comes with being in the tournament. We've uh, been a little bit of critical of Turner in the past. They're they're not the reason necessarily for the delay. We did have some tech issues that got the the. I think they started sending it to them about maybe thirty or less minutes before Turner needed it. Couple of notes though, as a result of that delay, I think no one told those on the website about it because they posted the bracket about the time the show would have been done. And I've gotten word from some coaches that they were getting word that they weren't in the tournament from other coaches yeah. who saw the bracket. Obviously, that's I've not heard that. No. Yeah, yeah. it's unfortunate. It's not ideal. And that's, by the way, putting two and two together. We didn't know that for sure. It was just like, how do you know 15 minutes before it ever aired? Well, that's got to be the only way. Um, That's unfortunate, obviously. We've had some other issues. But in the, on the overall scan, scheme of things, it worked out for you guys. But I feel like there's got to be a better way. Do you guys as a committee get to have that kind of feedback to say, listen, 
Every time you send the, the regional rankings to Turner, it takes five hours for them to post them. Every time we send this video up, they do something to botch it, whether it's it doesn't stream anymore, it just loads for everybody. So I could be watching it three minutes before somebody else. Do you get a chance as a committee member to say, listen, this has to be done better for us? Yeah, I think I've, yeah, I've told you in a few texts that, that feels a little bit outside my lane. Um, I'm not sure I, I even knew how that process happened um, until we've we've had some problems with it. So certainly it's something that that can be expressed. Um, I don't uh, I yeah, it feels a little bit outside my lane in one sense that I don't know that uh, that 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 is exactly something that I will do other than express it to, to people that that are around me. But I don't know that it's something that that the men's basketball committee would have a authority to do much about specifically whether you have the authority to do it i understand i would argue you have the right to say something since it's your it's your beast as it were um so yeah let's talk about the at-larges we'll start there uh, our crew got 19 out of 20 which for us is is where we're aiming uh we'd love to get perfect don't get us wrong we just know that by the time we get down to the end and now with 10 regions it's put your head through a wall time um I am sure you guys spent quite a bit of time trying to deal with a lot of these issues, trying to parse out a lot of these teams, trying to figure out all the minor details. Mainly curious, how difficult was it? And where did it really start to get into the weeds? Yeah, well, I'd like to point out, first of all, I, I, I tweeted this out. I, I was actually on my phone. We were done with our selections. I watched your last four, listened to your interview with Coach Zimmerman and uh and uh, I would like to point out, you had it. If they had gone with your recommendation, you could claim to be 20 for 20. Um, so I thought that was, I think, again, that's, it's, I'm, uh, it's a good thing that the process is clear. I think the communication from the committee and the consistency then that those of you that are following can kind of go, hey, we're, we're kind of tracking. I was, so uh, I think that's a good thing that we kind of arrive at a relatively same point um, in the process uh, to look at it. So, and I think if you guys had had the regional rankings uh, making that pick, that would have made a little bit of difference. I'm not suggesting you should. I don't know the answer to that, but <clears> I think that was, there was I a change. I think it's that, a great idea, Mike. That, that made, uh, th there was a change in the regional rankings there that made, you know, the yes. uh, the details pick a little a little more obvious. A little uh, more committee. robust. Yeah. Yeah than, yeah. than it probably was to you guys. So, uh, you know, I would say it, it starts, it started to, for us to really become a conversation um, right around maybe 12, yeah. somewhere in there where we were going, Hey, I think, I think right now we're, and when I say conversation, I still think we had a couple teams on the board. We knew we're going to go, but we probably went, Hey, we probably should, you know, I think it slowed the process slowed down a little bit and the conversation picked up. Um, but you could kind of see, I think Dave, as we were, as we were picking where it was probably going to go and where it was going to finish. And, and it did finish roughly where, where I anticipated it would when we sort of started the conversation around that time. And um, so, yeah, it was, it, 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 yeah, it's, it got a little more, uh, we slowed the pace down a little bit, if you will, right around 12. Curious how much you guys use secondary criteria. Yeah, it varies. I think it, you know, I think the, the goal is to use it um, only when needed. I think we are constantly saying, can we get uh, to team A or team B on the front page? And I think it's really important that if we can, we do so, because that is how the criteria is supposed to function. We shouldn't go to secondary until we are able to say, this feels like a tie, quote unquote, on the front page. Um, so we do it when needed. Um, 
and uh, do it when we kind of go, hey, we're stuck, or maybe, you know, maybe the committee is stuck. In our case, maybe it's 5-5. You sort of feel there's a little bit of give and take. We can't quite agree on who it is on the front page. Um, we'll go to secondary. So I'm not really answering your question. I don't know that there's a, a percentage of time or how often we, we try to do it only when needed. Mm -hmm. And uh, because once you do it, it's fairly definitive. Right. So yeah. uh, it's often very clear at that point. So you try to avoid it, not avoid it. You try not to use it until necessary. I understand. Um, yep. Any chance you could let us know if if our last four were similar to your last four? Uh, they were very similar. Hmm. That makes me feel a little better. Because sometimes yeah. it's interesting. We'll do it and be like, oh, no, we picked them back at 10. I'm like, wow, we picked them at 17. Like, what did we yeah. miss? So yeah, I appreciate it, that. Yeah, Obviously. It's, it's, you know, it wasn't, obviously it's not exact, but it's, it's, they were very much in the same ballpark, sort of in the same family of picks, if you will. And what's one of the things interesting, I, I thought, you know, we had almost the exact conversation that once Babson went in and Emerson comes to the table, it's, you know, it's almost the same resume. Yeah. And we went, we went very much back to back on those picks as well, very much like you guys did, because once, once you got Babson in, you could kind of see the same arguments that are made for being Bap Babson being put at that point are really the same arguments you make for Emerson. So we actually, I was, it was interesting. Your group had almost the identical conversation the national committee did about those two schools, those two, two teams. One of the things I know I got a little stumped on was Trinity Babson because Trinity had some win in categories over Babson. And I, we mentioned that on Twitter at one point. And I finally, I just said, yeah, we got to let this go. Babson's got to come in here because it just, it doesn't make any sense otherwise, logically. Similar conversations, not necessarily maybe with those two teams, but are those kinds of conversations tough when you've got a team that feels like it's almost blocking the other one because it's got a couple of criteria marks, even though the other ones seem to maybe stand out more? Yeah, one of the most difficult things for the committee is the criteria is really a regionalized criteria. So True. Um, you, are, you are ranking teams in a region against themselves. And so then the head-to-head -head component becomes really important. And so you need to consider, well, if, if a team is 2-0 and or 2-1 and or 3-0 and against, if Team A against Team B, Team A has to be ahead of Team B. The, the problem is sometimes Team B's resume, if you get rid of the head-to-head, -head, is actually stronger on the national scale, but they can never get ahead of the other team in their region. And in my four years, obviously three of which we actually did rankings and, and picked a team, that has happened a couple times where um, you know Team B's resume would probably sit better at this point than, than Team A, but you can never get Team B above Team A in the regional ranking. Well, that happens from time to time. So I was talking about one where it was on the national level, but what you're referring to is one we struggled with was Roanoke and Guilford. And, you know, you bring Roanoke to the table – and suddenly they're a pick that has to go in. They've got a win over Marietta and they've got this and they've got that. And there's some strong stuff there, but they got stuck behind Guilford. And I'm pretty sure they got stuck behind Guilford for one reason and one reason only. They were 0-2 against Guilford. It feels like in those scenarios, that does change those conversations tremendously. No question. And I, uh, there that happens from time to time where the criteria is really a regionalized criteria. And then we are asked to pick a, pick a national tournament. And there are moments where those two sometimes contradict each other. Um, that type of example would be one of them. Yes. But getting back to that Trinity Babson one, how hard is it on the national level then to try and get them away from each other when there's some criteria that's kind of locking horns? Yeah. You know, I think what we simply do is 
you know, kind of stay with, for lack of a better way, stay with the criteria and just sort of, we try as best we can not to think about what might come next, right? Even though it's, you kind of do, if we do this, we know we're sort of starting a trickle down, but just try to stay with the criteria as best we can and sort of just stay consistent. And that's, you'll have a committee member that's constantly the refrain on these calls and these voting, hey, are we consistent here? Is this consistent with what we did an hour ago or, you know, a week ago, that sort of stuff. And so as long as we kind of feel that momentum we feel pretty pretty good about but that's where we try to stay to just simplify the process because otherwise you can kind of start yourself you know down a rabbit hole you're going to talk yourself in circles and so the consistency i think is really key uh let's i'm not sure how much more we could dive down to the to the at large though my head hurts from doing it for hours too uh we didn't do it as much as yours all i'm asking is listen yeah regional rankings would be great let me just see all the data and then we can have a more fair conversation i'm just a thought i'm just just saying i also would like to have tim fitzpatrick's idea brought to the table i don't know if you heard that one but you're welcome to go back to the show and listen about how he thought we do such a great job now i'm just patting myself on the back for absolutely no reason mike and we'll move on i need a drink um fair enough i did not hear it no it's all right i'm i'm all being a little more tongue tongue in cheek anyway we it was great to have him on though um, let me talk about the bracketing a little bit. Really interesting here. Let's start with this. You had two California schools. You did not have them host. I understand. We should get one of them out of the way. I know for a fact that Pomona Pitzer doesn't have a gym. They're using Claremont Mud scripts. I'm assuming that played a role here. I don't know if that played a role. They did not put into host in a in a, in, in a timely fashion, so they were not available to host to us. <laughs> Sorry, that little last part's. That's that's nice, sir. In a timely fashion, give you credit. Just out of curiosity, then why not consider Chapman? And yeah, I'm, I think I'm, the, by the way, I should say I'm going on the old school here. That because you got two near each other, that's cheaper to fly those two in there. I'm not saying I'm having a problem with this. I'm just we normally would see that. Yeah. So I think uh, the simplistic answer is is why not Chapman? Is I'm not sure. Um, that their resume warranted hosting to the same degree uh, Mary Harden Baylor's did. And I think they were probably the, the, it was because of the texting, we probably felt like Mary Harden Baylor was the, well, one, at the time we were doing it, we weren't hundred percent sure what was going to happen with Chapman, That's right? True. We weren't a hundred percent sure that they were going to get in because they were still playing. So Mary Harden Baylor got in, they were the, you know, they were, they were our host and, and that's the direction we went to, to make it simplistic. And then you think about it, you're shipping two anyway. We're shipping two anyway. Yeah. And uh, it actually worked out pretty clean to me. Now, again, I obviously, you know, Dave, I, I had a less of a role with the bracket than a normal chair would have. So, uh, but that's why we went to to Texas. To that point, I, I, it seems that the committee as a whole grasps the overall concept that this committee has been building towards for several years if you have a lesser role because you're involved and they can still come out with a bracket that's reminiscent, certainly not identical. And the 2020 bracket is a little lofty in terms of pretty, pretty awesome uh, points, but they understood it. So that's, that's a good sign that, to me that this committee understands it. And we're going to continue in this path because that information is going to continue to trickle along. I hope so. Yeah. I kind of set that one up for a very short answer. Good, good job, sir. Um, what were some of the quirks uh, with this 
I, I know you can't avoid all kinds of matchups, Hood playing at Swarthmore, but against Oswego, I don't have a problem with it, though some people texted me about it. Uh, I loved that you not, gave a little nod to 2020 in a couple places. Uh, Yeshiva and Hopkins playing the first round. I figured it was going to be them or maybe Yeshiva Randolph-Macon. That was in the back of my mind. Uh, you Both also gave a stuff. nod to Pomona Pitzer heading to Elmhurst, even though they're yep. playing them. You guys, yep. you, there were some purposeful things in here, weren't, weren't there? No, absolutely. We we talked about really dating back to when that tournament was postponed and canceled, that if we ever sort of got a chance to to make a nod back to that that time, which was so disappointing, and obviously what was happening, it was just we were we were just headed to such a great finish. Um, those were the two opportunities that kind of presented themselves to to make that nod. But but a hundred percent, that's a nod to 2020. I mean, of course it is. Well, of course, you sent uh, Washington and Jefferson out to Elmhurst. You've got St. John's and Calvin. A tough matchup, but understandable in that scenario. But you also it's at Platteville. One that jumps out at me, and I, I feel like you guys, maybe it's a, a joke on you by the committee. Uh, you guys get hope, and you're at Wash U. That one might have been the only wow moment when I saw the bracket and just thought to myself, damn. Like, is the joke on you, sir? Or, that, that's rough. That's a that's a well, tough one. Yeah, if anybody's wondering how much of a role I had, uh, I, I probably don't make that make that pod what you know I don't know that people know uh necessarily that that is in the small Christian college basketball world that's a little bit of a rivalry um, a little? Uh, with, yeah it's a respectful one I will say I'm excited to see see uh Tom Davilar he's one of my favorite people in division three basketball the, the hopes assistant um so but yeah that, I mean it we're excited about it obviously not not opposed to playing them but but it's probably not what I would have done uh you know, if I were the one that was actually making my pot. So uh, not no issues going to wash you. Obviously, that'll be great. But um, I actually when I saw the you know, I saw the bracket, I'm like, this is a little bit, you know, this is Green Bay, Chicago here. This is the Packers Bears. What do we <laughs> So it'll be great. It, we're, we're, we've been texting back and forth a little bit with some of the, the hope people. It'll be great. I only would have laughed harder if Calvin was also in the pod. Yeah, um, well, and it, for a fun, we just threw Yeshiva in there, too, just yeah. to really whack this thing out. Um, no, that was, that was, that was pretty stellar, uh, to say the least looking ahead, it feels like maybe the purse strings are a little bit loose and and I don't want to lean on that hard, but Marietta Swarthmore, Christopher Newport Stockton. Yeah, that can probably work out. Uh, Randolph Macon, Nazareth, Wesley and WPI maybe, and I'm just taking the tops, but they go to the left side. There's going to be flights. Yeah, and and we definitely talked about that. There's there's going to be some flights, and uh, we used three here in the opening round. Yeah, if I if I have that correct in my mind, we have three of them. And uh, you know, one of the things is you 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 try as best you can to sort of uh, prep it to to limit some of that. But if you do bracketing based solely on that, you're going to end up with a bracket that is not reflective. I always said you're trying to create a national tournament with regionalized criteria. And, and to do that, you've got to risk at times the fact that we may create a few flights going forward here. Yes, that may happen. Is there, have you gotten feedback yet? Have, have you heard from individuals about good, bad, no, nothing at all? Yeah, I've gotten very limited feedback from anybody. Um, and I don't know if that's because it's, people are genuinely okay with it 
or they uh, or they know I'm in, you know, I'm I'm prepping my team. I don't know, but I've gotten uh, I've gotten very little feedback about it, and the feedback I've gotten, generally speaking, has been pretty positive. Staggered times. How'd you guys determine who, where, when? Yeah. So the. Uh, I mean, I was not in totally involved in that as as well. I mean, uh, Morton and and, uh, and Sarah did a lot of that, but it was basically, you know, we wanted to, to basically have from tip off of, of roughly three o'clock Eastern time through the whole day, tipping off every, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, each game kind of having their own exclusive tip off. And then in theory, obviously it won't work out perfectly, having multiple games end every 10 or 15 minutes. It sort of gives a little prestige, a little excitement to the day. Um, I loved back in 2020, I was sitting uh, courtside at North Central as the site rep watching games tip off in the East Coast. And I just thought that was really cool that I wasn't that that I was following a game that was happening out east while I was waiting uh, for my first game to start. I just thought that was really neat. So, I mean, obviously, you've got to kind of do it a little bit so that you you kind of start out at the the East Coast time zones and and work your way through it. but I think it's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be pretty neat. It's something we're really excited about and uh, been generally speaking, pretty well received. And uh, so let's see how it goes. We just, you know, we just sort of took what I thought was a really good idea and kind of expanded it slightly to say we're going to kind of stagger it even a little bit more so that everybody's got kind of a moment where you are the only game tipping off at that moment. I just think that's kind of cool. No, I, I like it as well. And hats off to previous crews who helped put that together and, and whatnot. Um, just a, a last question about at larges. While I thought about it, you know, we got into a real tough spot at the end trying to dif- differentiate between win loss and SOS and all of that. We knew where some of those lines were. For example, Whitewater at 600 just couldn't get into that conversation. We've seen in the regional rankings that Brandeis was never in the conversation, though they were in ours. And again, as you said, you know, had we seen some of those rankings, maybe those conversations are different. At what point do you have to just cut bait on some of the criteria and just say, listen, this team's not good enough because this criteria point is enough. Um, Or you say, yeah, that all looks good. But when we get to the non-conference, it's not helping them. Like whatever, where do you just have to cut bait? Are those conversations tougher than just talking about which team to get in? It absolutely is tougher. And, And Dave, I think we've created a conversation because as I've mentioned now a few times, we're ranking too many teams. So yes, we are, we are now creating a scenario where a team will have a, a modest winning percentage, but because of their SOS and maybe the league they'll play in, they will, they will play 14 regionally ranked games. And what do we do with that? And how do we, how do we sort of uh, manage that? And so um, we've kind of created now this this resume that didn't really exist two years ago, where you have we've always had the low winning percentage, high SOS or the, the high winning percentage, low SOS. But now we've got teams with just so many regionally ranked results that that really waters down the conversation. And it was, you know, things we sort of learned that would that were new this year because of 10 regions and 83 teams ranked besides that we're ranking too many is that that conversation is going to intensify because we're going to have more resumes going forward that fall into the Brandeis or Whitewater resume. And so I don't, I don't know that we need to set a minimum. I don't, I don't know that we should set a minimum, but I think it's a conversation. Each committee is going to kind of have to weigh a little bit is what do you do with the resume that is, that is similar to the ones you've mentioned? Um, 
obviously we ultimately determined that those winning percentages were too low. And, and the one thing is that is a criteria. So it's not like we're avoiding the criteria. We're simply saying in that particular instance, that criteria is, is difficult to get beyond um, when compared to other resumes that, that check every box a little bit stronger in totality than those resumes do given the, the lower winning percentage. I appreciate that insight. Uh, Megan jumped in there, clearly is dressed better than you, I, again, uh, but we'll get her here in a moment. <laughs> well, I what's ask new you, with that, Dave? I mean, right? Uh, one quick question to you about your team, though. Uh, I know yeah. it's first blush. You haven't had much of a chance, but you, your thoughts on the game against Hope? Yeah, I mean, they're, this will be shocking, right? They're really good. I haven't <laughs> spent a ton of time. I, what's interesting, Dave, is because both of my – as my responsibility as chair, I, I really tried to watch almost everybody for a period of time who is in the tournament. I actually think I can say I really have watched some basketball of everybody that's in the tournament, but because it's hope and there's a relationship there and um, there's a lot of people at Wheaton who, uh, you know, grew up around hope. And there's a lot of people at hope who grew up around where there's an overlap. I actually watched hope play several games. They're really good. I haven't dived into it, you know, too far yet. That's my task tomorrow. This has sort of been my day today besides my team's practice. Um, but they're, they're really good. I mean, it's going to be a, and most of the time when we've played hope over the years, that's, you know, it's a, you know, it's a big boy game. It's, it's two pretty good programs, two pretty good teams, and it should be a, a real battle. Well, I appreciate the initial. I knew you hadn't gotten a chance to see a lot of it, but I figured we'd ask why you had you on. Take a quick quick. When we come back, we'll get both you, Megan on. We'll talk about some of the crossover stuff that you both had to deal with before letting you go. I appreciate it. We'll be back in just a moment with more from uh, Mike Shower and Megan Wilson. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us to stop sexual assault in any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We 
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. love of the game. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. A lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. As we roll along here on this bracket breakdown special, running a little bit late, but pff, what's new? Uh, talking to both committee chairs, we'll welcome them back in as Mike Will, uh, Mike Wilson, Meg Wilson joins us back in. She joined us briefly there a little while ago. Megan, uh, we noticed that Mike and I, uh, we tried to dress down a little bit for the show. Apparently, you decided to one-up us, uh, we've noticed. And I mean, I congratulate you, but I also go, come on. Well, you know, I can't follow Mike and his bracket work, so I got to have something to carry me through this. Look good, feel good, right? Well, no, well said, well said, which is why I'm in sweats when no one can see it. Um, by the way, a little note, I was in sweats wearing a suit too today. It's a little TV trick. Um, Dave, but, I would point out I'm getting text messages. Yeah. From former chair Mike DeWitt 
commenting about how exhausted I look on right now. I don't, I don't know that I need to have that sort of taunting coming through from a former chair. Two thoughts. First off, Mike always looks exhausted. Okay. Let's, let's just get that out of the way. I have seen Mike DeWitt sitting in Salem civic center and I dared to go up to him and ask him if he wanted to be in the Hoopsville classic. Cause I figured he was tired enough to say yes. And he did. <laughs> Second of all, he didn't have this technology when he was chair. If we had this technology when he was chair, he would have looked exhausted just like you, sir. Exactly. Mike, I don't think you look that exhausted. No, I don't think he Thank does you, either. I thought it was, an, it was an unnecessary shot at me from a, from a friend. <laughs> Former Some friend. Friends. I think. Former friend. Former friend. Good thing he's not in the tournament. Can we rescind uh, uh, bids if we had to for, for, for uh, conduct unbecoming? Uh, Megan, thanks for joining us. Just a little bit of crossover. We don't have a lot tonight because a lot of it's more about the individual stuff. But obviously there was there was host decisions. When I saw the men's bracket, I, I kind of automatically knew what the women were going to be doing. It's not that hard. I mean, Christopher Newport was obvious. Mary Harden Baylor, you guys hinted at on me. So thank you very much. That one came true. Was there any others that 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 had to be at least considered, Megan, that Mike and, and them were were debating about? Or did you guys or is that it? I think that was it this year. And, and Mike, we kind of knew Christopher Newport early uh, last week when we had a joint call and uh, you know, Mike and I were in contact this weekend with Mary Harden Baylor. So we, we knew that ahead of Sunday at least. So we kind of knew that and could think through those things, but I think it was just those two. I assume Mike, that that's the case in how much did the top 16 work? What was it 10, almost two weeks ago now, 10 days, two weeks ago. How much did that start that conversation, understand that conversation, understand that situation, even though it could change, so that you could get ahead of it with bracketing? Or was it still kind of more this week, weekend type stuff that you had to hash through? I would say it was both, because I think we were waiting to, to kind of, you know, see, uh, you know, Christopher Newport, you could see that one coming, right? Uh, Mary Harden Baylor, we were sort of waiting a little bit to see how the week would play out for them. So. Um, that one, you know, I just told Megan, hey, this one you're going you're to have to keep an eye on, depending upon how this tournament plays out. Um, this is one that that we may use as a host. So we were just texting back and forth through the week and then specifically, um, you know, Saturday slash Sunday um, to just make sure we were on the same page about it. Random question, because you've mentioned that a few times that you two are texting back and forth. I remember when we had an unfortunate hosting scenario kind of fall through Men were expecting a, a school to host. Women had said they'd use it, change their mind. So be it. And that's certainly allowed. And it just didn't get through the liaisons. But that's how they were doing it. They were going through the liaisons. You two are texting. I'm not saying that's not the norm. That sounds great. But at, did you two just decide it's just easier for us to communicate? And is that okay based? And I mean that seriously. Is that okay based on the proper procedures? Megan, I guess we'll let you talk. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not necessarily one for following procedures, but I think over communication was important. And yeah. so, you know, for me to go directly to Mike, instead of waiting for a response email, our liaisons are slammed right now. So it wasn't something that I necessarily felt like we needed to go through them for. And we had a joint call with them on Thursday. So it's not like we were doing anything kind of, you know, on the DL, we, it was all on the up and up. Oh, no, sure. No, I just, we just felt like, I just felt like it was easier, right? Like why go through a middleman when him and I could just yeah. communicate. If anything, I felt bad for Mike because he had a busy weekend, right? Like, so not only is he the chair, he's coaching. So well, um, they did a good job of losing the semis to free Mike's schedule yeah, up. I thought that was kind up. of him. 
I will say though, Dave, we talked about it. It's easier to be the the gender who has the opening rounds because Megan is the one that's waiting, and the women in this case waiting to find out what the men are going to do. And obviously, we can't. We can answer some of them. We can't answer all of them in real time because yeah. things are moving a little bit. And so I think it's it's just much easier having done a few brackets uh, now and been around it to be the the first to be the the gender that is hosting. Um, the opening rounds because you you are just you just have more information and you're able to sort of move forward a little bit quicker. So I appreciate Megan. Uh, I think Megan and I have become friends. So we're interacting not only just professionally about stuff, but um, you know it's just I you know it's been a been a good process to get to know her and and being part of that uh, sort of fraternity of people who have been chairs. So um, yeah, I just appreciate her effort and it's harder to be on her end than the men the, than our end this year. Sure. Oh, that makes total sense. Um, I'm curious uh, when it comes to, well, I, I guess the whole process, because obviously you two have to do your own things. You have to figure out your own bracketing. Obviously, there's communication about what you're going to do with home games and all of that jazz and obviously other things that go along with that. But how much is are you two influencing each other and your committees on adjusting to do something a little bit different or trying something new or along those lines, i.e., man, you got staggered times. Megan, you, you know, you didn't say you have staggered times, but we've got some staggered times. Is that him? Are you two trying to work to be a little bit more, to be honest, like soccer to some degree where it's very much more the same? Yeah, I think I would love to see that for Division Three women, women's and men's basketball. I think we've worked really well together. I think uh, in my role as a chair this year, and just it's been a couple of years since all of us have done this, but you know, I've I've learned a lot from Mike, and think they have a lot of great ideas. And you know, why not use them? And for us to be similar in the way we do something, some of the way they bracket and the way their Sunday goes. Um, you know, I thought doing the sweet or the sixteen top sixteen this year was really helpful, and that's not something the women have done before as my time on the committee. So I think there's some things that we can take from this year and just hopefully continue to build that relationship and that collaboration. The conversations about how you use the criteria, do you guys discuss the differences with each committee? Cause let's be honest, you do use the criteria. I think you read the criteria in different ways. Um, again, we discussed, we don't need to hash it, but the men, we, we, We've discussed how a strong SOS seems to have a stronger conversation than the women. It seems a win-loss. And I'm being very bland, very simplistic with that description. But do you talk about those just so you can get a better understanding of how the other committee is doing it to see if you can either improve or where you're falling short or whatever? I, I'm, I'm making this up a bit. Go ahead, you Mike. That one? Yeah, so we, we did have a conversation, um, I don't know, was a week or so ago, uh, Megan, kind of talking through uh, you know, whether there should be conversation about, about that exact topic, because we sort of have operated a bit independently of one another about that interpretation and, and recognize that there are some differences of interpretation between the two committees. It's both using criteria, but it's just how you sort of apply it. Um, you know, that, that maybe we need to, you know, and, and Megan and I will move on, but maybe there needs to be some further conversation. I don't know that we want to make it where we're actually having conversation about each other's specific situations, sure. but maybe a broader conversation. Megan and I did have that conversation about a week ago um, to just say, hey, this might be something to kind of talk through as we move forward. And I, I, I thought that was something that was valid and um, is probably probably needs to happen a little bit more going forward. Megan, to that point, 
Is there ever a time where you guys look at how you're doing your criteria and how the men are doing their criteria? And again, I agree with Mike. You don't you don't want to necessarily do it exactly the same, but do you look at that situation and go, yeah, maybe we do need to make an adjustment, and maybe not for this year. It's for the future because once you get the, <laughs> the ball rolling, I know that's hard to bring back. Or do you, Megan, maybe go to the table and say, hey, Mike, I know that's how you guys do it, but here's how we have that perception. And and what's the ultimate goal, I guess? Is, is it to get both committees to be doing it the same? Or is it to at least try and come closer? I think a goal is to come closer. I think the reason this conversation came up, and uh, you guys touched on it a little bit in the the pre-talk before you brought Mike on, you know, I come from the WIC, so I'm used to high SOS, a little bit lower win loss percentage. Um, and so I think we had a lot of teams, women's teams with resumes very similar to their male counterpart at a same institution that were being ranked and we were not ranking them. And so the converse, a lot of the feedback I got was, you know, why is our men's team ranked and our women's teams not? So I don't think that it's, we need to be the same. I think we need to get on the uh, more similar page or just even have conversations about how you're applying it. I mean, again, I think it's just one of those things with communication and just kind of listening to each other. I don't want to get into the weeds. I'm into the weeds enough in 10 regions and 83 teams. I don't need to talk about the men too. Um, but I just think it would really help. Um, and, and again, we've talked about this tons of times. We have a lot of new committee members, right? So I would say the win-loss percentage was very heavily favored on the women's side this year. And I, I can openly say that because I think it was pretty evident in rankings throughout. No. But we de we decided to remain consistent. So, you know, sure. as I fought for some teams with, you know, stronger SOS, lower winning percentage, you know, we stayed consistent throughout the regions across the board. And I thought that was what's important and have conversations this summer at our annual meetings. Curious. I know Mike got started at 11 because he said that. Um, Megan, I know you guys got started later. What dictated that? Was it because, granted, you had a, a, a late game, Mike, on the West Coast in your case. Was it because games of game time starts that it just made no sense to start sooner, Megan? Or in Mike's case, it's that was the right time because your games were starting early? What determined that start time? Because we have seen the committees move the times up, thankfully, because you guys need sleep, as we as we know. But where where are you finding that that determination point? It's a great question. It's kind of always been very similar for me since my time on the committee. I know I fought for us to start a little bit earlier on Sunday because we we're 10 regions and more teams. So I knew that first part of it was going to take longer than it has in the past. So again, it's one of those things with Sunday championships. It just makes our work really difficult. And I know in some instances it's unavoidable, but it's one thing when you're talking about the integrity of the tournament and the bracket and everything that goes into it. I mean, you've said you're brain dead and, you know, we try to get all that in on a Sunday with games still going. So um, I think anything we can do to kind of ease that process on that Sunday and maybe move some of those games. I know we had some weather ones that moved it. So we just, we had quite a few games yesterday to wait up. So we couldn't have gone much earlier. Um, we pretty much went bam, bam, bam through the region. So that helped, but. Mike, I'm curious. You had that five o'clock game. Normally it's the ODAC. That's our beast. In this case, they had the early game because they swapped men and women. So the men played early, but then you had that five o'clock. Were you waiting for them? Yeah, no, we, I mean, basically what we do in those situations is we kind of do everything, but if that makes sense, we sort of do the if then statement, which is, you know, depending upon what happens here and the specific game you're talking about is Pomona, Pomona, Pitzer and Chapman, 
And so we sort of go, well, if Pomona wins, uh, this is where, you know, this is kind of where we we're going to, you know, uh, this is what creates Chapman's resume at that point in anticipation of that. And if, if Chapman wins, you know, Pomona kind of fits it. So we sort of do the if then statement um, and, you know, kind of, kind of decide where, where do we think, and it was the only, you know, by that point, it was, it was the only, the only game by the time it ended. And so we were pretty comfortable to say, you know, this is probably where these teams kind of land, if that makes sense, depending upon that, the outcome of that game. So we moved forward. And then once it got done, we sort of reviewed it, if that makes sense. We kind of went back and said, all right, what's the impact of this, um, you know, on our, on our regional rankings, if any. And then, you know, pretty much once we got everything done and sort of looked at the regions again in totality, then, you know, started the, the selections there thereafter. Um, once we kind of had the, that finished and the data was updated based upon that result. It was gone longer than I anticipated, but I appreciate it. Uh, final question for you two combined, collaborating wise. What, what do you hope to do now moving forward? Um, Meg, we'll start with you. That do you hope that this committee can hold on to for for moving forward with both committees down the road? Yeah, I thought the addition of the collaboration meetings, the uh, you know touch-ins. Um, we've talked about uh, virtual meeting with them at our annual meeting and vice versa when they're down in Indy. Um, so just, I think we got to continue to co have conversations about some of the things that we've talked about this year. Uh, the number of teams we're ranking regionally and maybe a joint statement from the committees on how that's affected this process and, you know, what it's done to results versus ranked and criteria. I think there's just a lot of things that we can continue to work together on. And I'd like to just see that momentum continue. Mike, we'll give you the final word on that. Yeah, totally agree. I think, you know, I think the, 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 the sort of the joint meetings, both formally and informally between the two chairs is really significant because um, you know, we sort of started with a formal meeting uh, where we, we kind of started the process and that sort of evolved into a, uh, you know, a friendship where we're now we're in communication more often. And I think that's healthy and, and just means that the men's and women's basketball committees via the chairs are having pretty consistent communication. I think the key thing is the consistent contact between the two committees and specific the chairs. And Megan mentioned some things that we'll talk about and you know, we'll, we'll meet again, probably not right away as our tournament ends, but for, for fairly quickly to sort of review some things that we would like to make sure while, while we're still in our, our current responsibilities that, that we sort of discussed jointly. She mentioned the, the amount of teams we're ranking. We're very much on the same page there to, to, to make a, sort of a joint statement formally that, that we need to, we need to reduce that, those types of things. So it's just the, it's the consistency of, of contact. No question. Um, maybe having a conversation with Turner would be nice too. We'll talk more about that with Megan here coming up. Um, one little note, maybe talking, I don't know if you've had or not, you don't have to answer this here to be honest with you, but men are using the weighted SOS. Women are not. And I'm not saying right or wrong for either of that, by the way, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know where I sit on that. But that might be an interesting one. I'd love to hear maybe just you guys can share with me sometime what that conversation would have been like between the two of you guys to understand the benefits and pros and cons and all that and whether there's a future or not. Just a thought. Um, but I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks so much. We'll give you the final word and let you go. Yeah, what a great, uh, what a great day, great weekend. Um, you know, I think there were a few times it really struck me this weekend, even in the midst of the amount of work, just how great it was to be back. And to be doing this again, and um, I think we had all, uh, you know, sort of um, 
just, you know, kind of put our head down and got through the last couple of years, but it was just so exciting to be doing this and great to be here, ready to kind of get our tournament started. Obviously, uh, you know, wish Megan and the women uh, a great tournament and to enjoy it. And uh, we're excited to get to Fort Wayne and, and see, see where we end up. Good awesome. luck, Mike. Thanks, yeah. Mike. Appreciate it. Enjoy your game. Thank you. And we'll switch over as soon as he clicks off. Let's see what happens. I'm trying to time it with him. Oh, there we go. There we go. Megan, great to have you. By the way, just a side note, Pat Pat, who I'm really not sure who Pat Pat is, but he's been popular on our YouTube page for the last bit. He says, you're not ranking too many teams. You're not uh, You're not doing enough job to parse in the increased data you have. Pat Pat, I disagree with you because the results versus region ranked when you have teams who have very subpar um, um, resumes becomes too many teams. There are too many teams being ranked. Uh, flat and plain simple. Uh, we're ranking 83 teams when it used to rank 62. Uh, but he also has a whole nother theory about how you measure those ranked teams. But we're not going to dive into that because it's not part of the criteria. Um, Megan, let me jump back on the Turner conversation because I hinted at that at the end. You had an interesting theory. I hope you don't mind sharing. Again, we got a call. I got a call from a coach who got on the men's side who got told a good 15 minutes before they found out basically due to a screw up of mine, which I'll, I'll talk about once we clear this segment, um, that they weren't in the tournament. A screw up of mine that I think is a screw up. Some people may not have even noticed it. Um, I thought maybe because the men were delayed, the bracket popped, but you said it was happening on the women's side. And I said the bracket, the bracket showed up early is what I'm trying to say, because we got a delayed start. And so timing got off at Turner. You have a thought though, that maybe it had, and I wasn't paying close enough attention to this, it had nothing to do with the bracket that Turner was basically giving away the goose. Yeah, I don't know. We we had a few reports from coaches um, who were being congratulated before the show started. They were showing up on the uh, scores ticker, unfortunately. And, you know, there's so much excitement about today and, and that doesn't take it all away. Right. But, you know, it was kind of disappointing. You're excited for that reveal show and, and for all of those experiences that you showed earlier at the beginning of the show, you know, and to think that maybe some of those teams found out before that, or, you know, coaches did, you know, that's a little disappointing um, and something that we need to work through. And, you know, you hate to see something like that happen. I asked Mike this and to recap again, you know, when it gets handed to Turner and D3 stuff, we've had so many issues. We're waiting five hours for regional rankings that have been sent to Turner to be posted. Where the video used to be that it was streamed, even though we recorded it, it was streamed. So there's no way to fast forward. But I stumbled in today watching the women's show on my phone that when I, I got a phone call, picked up the phone call because I had to take it, got back to the show, which had been paused and it had a time frame, you know, because, you know, you got it went all the way to the end of the show. So I could sit there scrolling through the show back and forth all I wanted, even though it was only midway through from where I had started. But then I could also start a minute behind a colleague of mine because I was just slower on starting it. It feels like every year there's some gremlin here that just kind of ruin not doesn't ruin the experience, but as we were talking about, it certainly takes away from it. Can you as the committees just kind of say enough? Now you're not necessarily going to change it but by saying something you get the conversation started to to get the dot-com side of things to take this a little bit more seriously yeah i think absolutely um you know and, and mike alluded to it i think those are conversations that we should feel comfortable having at our annual meetings um because it is important for the division three student athlete and their experience it's not just about division one and division two. And, you know, sometimes it kind of feels like that at times um, with some of those things. So I, I don't know that uh, bringing awareness to it 
will change it necessarily, but if we don't bring awareness to it, we're not doing anything about it. We're not even attempting. So um, I def definitely think those are conversations and things that I've been taking note of. You know, we talked about the the top 16 reveal show. Um, you know, there wasn't even a splash about that. So, you know, we might get talked about having low views or, you know, not a lot of clicks, but there wasn't even anything out there for people to click on or, or get set up on. So I think those are things that are important. I thought the top 16 was great for our sport and just would have liked to see a little bit more um, hoopla and just celebration of that and just maybe more awareness for it. Well, and there used to be a time where when you showed up early to one of those pages, whether it's a selection show or the top 16, you knew you were there, but you're just waiting for the show to start. It gave you that information. Now you get this air saying you're not allowed to be here. Like, come on. And at first you wonder, am I on the wrong link? And so you start chasing links around trying to figure out if you're in the right place. And it turns out you are. And it's just a matter of what time you hit refresh because the video finally loaded. It it just feels ho hokey. I thought the regional rankings now should go to .org, by the way. Let the liaisons update like D3 can update its own website. Let, let Take the middleman out. But with this video stuff, and I'm part of it. But the video stuff's gotten out of hand. It's just, it feels like an aside. And I agree. I think you're doing good work with that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's definitely things to talk about there and um, improvements to be made. Uh, I mean this seriously. Two thoughts. First, call me. Happy to, to provide input. And I mean that seriously because I want to see what's done better. Second, studio's not bad, right? I mean, this is, yeah. we got a nice backdrop, you yeah? know? We used to do this. The NCAA tasked us to announce the brackets for several years. Now, it was audio-based. We would need to get a little bit of extra help. We cross that bridge. But listen, the web, the web stream people, and I say web stream, it's great TV now. Those, those who outsource it, they do a bang-up job. I'm not trying to knock on them. I love working with them. It's the Turner Group. And, and somewhere, if we can get it solved, let's get it solved, is my thought. Sorry, I'm ranting a little bit on the other mic, and I apologize. You did a great job, though. Well, thank you. I don't yeah. remember half of it, to be blunt. Somebody texted me that I said something. I went, I did? Oh, <laughs> I apologize. That's uh, I wouldn't mind getting the information right a little earlier. Yeah. I it, it doesn't have to be the bracket, necessarily. Okay. And I mean that as a professional, just for I'll my... see what I, I can do. I don't need we'll to... We'll see how long I stay in this role, how, I don't how need long it takes them to fire me. From Actually, the that's chair. my next question for you. You're in your third year, right? Well, sure. I took over for someone at the end. I got, uh, I am in my third, um, but got a, a ways left. I got till 2024 on my. Hey, I love the sound of that. Um, <laughs> sounds like your chair until 2024. Problem solved. We're done. All right. Only if you're nice to me. See if you make I me. I am nice to you. Hey, tough questions. Tough questions are different than being nice. Let's get to the tough questions. All right. Hit me. Let me actually start with. Maybe an elephant in the room, maybe a not an elephant in the room, but certainly something that I think is worth discussing before we get to the at-large picks. Sure. I think Pat brought up a good point about UC Santa Cruz, and it's not a knock at the process. It's more of understanding how does a school like UC Santa Cruz, who's clearly good, yeah. somehow get fit in to the system better despite being isolated. And again, I've made the contention that this year kind of hosed them. They lost a few games that they could have counted. I think he would have had a better schedule. I think Todd's admitted that too, if it hadn't been for COVID and some of the restrictions he dealt with. But that's that being said, Salisbury gets in, they trounced him in the semifinals. 
that isn't a conversation that takes place even on the national level if they're buried behind Redlands and surprisingly Pacific, which I yeah. didn't quite follow. How do we get them into a better position? And I'm not saying reward them, but they certainly had some criteria, including a stellar SOS that deserved a little bit of uh, maybe of a, a better better love, in my opinion. But how, how do we talk to them and try and get them in a better place? Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Um, they were they were a topic of discussion uh, for us for many minutes on calls. And I think at first their waiver wasn't in, right? Like, so we weren't really sure oh. how that affected, Ooh. you know, they weren't going to meet the the minimum criteria. So we didn't rank them, I want to say in the mock, maybe. Um, they obviously were nine and six uh, in division win loss. Um, I think we've talked about, yes, their SOS was significant and very, very impressive, but also the more games you play, the more that SOS tends to change at times. So with only 13 games, we weren't sure that that SOS was a true reflection of a team that may have played, let's say 20 games this year because COVID had its impacts all over the place, not just with them. Right. Right. So I think that, and I think the other thing, and you know, I'll be honest, I'm not a geography major. I'm not great with it. But just seeing an attempt from them to schedule maybe some more in-division games near them, um, trying to get some more in-division games on their schedule. They're, like, and, and we talked about, right? Yeah. Um, it was hard, and this is me being honest, and you know, I appreciate Todd and what his team did, and today's a tough day to tell them that they didn't make them when they, they did do some really good things this year. It was hard for the committee to look at nine wins against teams that had 23 wins against teams that played that many games and had four ranked wins. Todd revealed in the interview we had with him recently, their closest opponent is six hours by bus. Um, I shouldn't say closest opponent, sorry, closest division three opponent. Um, and again, I do think they do make an effort. I already know they're coming to Vegas. They've already tried to make uh, some other concessions. Um, I, I can't reveal everything, uh, but there sure. was a really cool idea out in Vegas. I don't think it's going to be able to take place, unfortunately. Um, so I do know, and again, I think COVID played an impact because I know they lost some games against some D3s they would have normally had in there, and maybe this is a different conversation. But even I, I do want to add a, a what if, and I don't know if you ever thought about it. Let's just say they knocked off Christopher Newport once. Because they did knock off Whittier. If they knock off Christopher Newport once, that becomes a very difficult conversation, I'm assuming. I think they were a difficult conversation all year. Yeah. Um, again, I, I we talk about the criteria and what it is, and I, I may be the chair, but I'm also one of 10 voices, right? right? And so we talk about, yes, there is criteria, but because there's not lines drawn in the sand for win-loss percentage or ranked wins or SOS, um, you know, certain people just tend to value certain things more. Um, so, so while some of us may have thought, and a lot of people think their resume was very impressive, a, lo- a lot of people still just couldn't get over the fact that it, you know, was nine and three. And so not yeah. easy. They did a, Todd did a great job with his team. Um, and that's, not going to make him feel any better today. Well, and to but. be honest, when we did our show, we couldn't get him in either. We certainly struggled and we talked about it and we had a long conversation about it. So it's, I'm not trying to give you um, um, fallback. I'm just trying to say, it's not like that convers- that answer from you is surprising to me because we had trouble ourselves. Not that they were their experts, but we certainly understand a lot of the data. Um, I think I would also like to see a little bit, um, 
knowing this, and again, this doesn't change anything that's already happened, but communication on the waiver and why they applied for the way, you know, like just more for the committee to have that their closest game, you know, is six hours by bus. Yeah, or, see, I don't know, you know how that works out. So I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think if I was chair again next year, I would do some more digging on that ahead of time. So we were more prepared as a committee to handle that. Uh, just for the record, I already made you chair for next season. I don't know how that works. but. Uh, uh, you have some have coaches in line that are going to say no right now. Who? <laughs> Maybe a lot of coaches that are unhappy today. I don't know. I'll talk to them. Um, I mean, I'm unhappy with you. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about at-large picks. We got 19 out of 20, and Pat made a good point. The women have always been tougher. And I remember one year, I think we actually did get all the men right once. And we missed like three women. And I walked away from the day pissed off. And they're like, well, you got all the men right. I'm like, yeah, but we freaking missed like three women and we shouldn't have. And we should have known that it's been hard to read. So first off, thank you for the information you've provided because I think it's helped us get a little bit closer to understanding it. I did talk to some former committee members and they, you know, it's interesting the different perspectives you get from everybody and it comes from different camps. And I'm sure the conversations you're having with 10 members are what are these same conversations, trying to balance everything, trying to understand what you're going to take, what you're not going to take, what looks good, what doesn't look good, et cetera. At what point did you guys start getting into the weeds? Too early. Yeah. Um, I think I'll be honest. I think because um, at that point, the other two committee members who uh, had done the bracket before were in the tournament. Uh, we had plenty of committee members and com plenty of eyes, um, but or I guess just early on, there was only two, Michelle and uh, Nate Davis from Gettysburg, who had been on the last time we did selections. Wait, there were only nervous. two? There's three of us total, yep. That had done uh, selections Jason last time? I missed that. Four. four, JC last time. So we have six new ones, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I forgot about all the rollover. You're right, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. So, you know, I, I, they were... We knew, you know, there's 10, 12, right, that you know are in, right? Like, but it made our committee nervous to go more than four at a time. Um, and you can't go back. So as a chair, I try, we try to be really patient with that um, because it is a learning process and we want to get it right. And we don't want, you know, teams or committee members to feel pressured or not feel like they're evaluating properly. So I would say we got in the weeds pretty early, uh, earlier than I thought. Selections took longer than I thought for that large. I, I didn't think they would take as long as they did, um, but I thought we were consistent. I thought we did a. I thought the new committee members did a great job, um, and yeah, we just got in the weeds early. The women tend to have more issues with numbers on the committee who have to leave because they're either at large picks or bracketing than men. I've always contended is because the top women's coaches who are involved in this also have administrative roles. As a result of that, we tend to just have more of them on the committee, mm -hmm. rightly or wrongly. It's it's not a knock. It's just a reality. Sure. How how tough was it to be constantly rolling in people because with some up, upsets, you certain now Michelle got to stay on the call. Thankfully, Whitman didn't drop off. And Gettysburg, Nate Davis got to stay on that large call. But you definitely lost some, didn't you? We lost JC and uh, Bethany from uh, WNL. So um, we oh, lost. Oh, wow. Teams. You lost Bethany a long time. Yep. Yep. And so we had their, um, we had their uh, counterparts come in uh, right at the beginning and just kind of talk through it. Um, and they both got off immediately. They were both the first to the table. Um, 
Uh, JC came back. Uh, you know, WNL was first to the table. I, I think they might have been on ours, but I'm trying to remember that. Really? I think so. Wow. Yeah, yeah I think so. Out of their region after AQs, they they were early. I want it's. I'm brain dead also. So, no, don't worry. I'm just. It changes my perspective on some things. Okay. Um, and um, yeah. So you know, and oh, yeah, they would have been there. The, yep. At that point, by the time Bethany, you know, it was late. So. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah their counterparts did a great there. job. Yeah. Um, probably got a, a dose of the committee that they weren't prepared for, uh, say, but they did a great job. Bethany didn't participate at all then because I got to figure you guys picked her team probably near the end. Yeah. Not really. Not really participated. She didn't participate <sighs> much. I was like, wait, you picked them earlier than I thought? Hold on, back up the train here. No, she missed a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, curious, did you hear, I, I don't mean this to be uh, egotistical or presumptuous. I'm just curious, did you watch any of our selections at any point? I didn't have time, honestly. Oh, that's fine. That's totally yeah. fine. Just helps yep. me preface my question, that's all. Uh, Mike did, and so my question was a little easier to ask. Who, who kind of were at the end? Like what were our last picks? Do, is there any way we can find out? Like where was WNL? Where was? Am I even forgetting who we picked last? Um, and all those. Where where were those picks near the end? Out of curiosity, uh, the, the, there were some similarities as to your picks when I went through today and looked. Uh, okay. When Mike and I were kind of chatting, I will say that there were some that came quite a bit different, but I think it was because of some changes in the regional rankings. Yeah, big difference yeah. there. Um, so I, I, I think, um, you know, when those come out that, that will explain why some teams got ahead of others. Um, but yeah, they were very, pretty similar. I don't think quite as similar as Mike's, but, or the men's side, but yeah. pretty similar. I mean, and the order, yeah, the order can be fickle. We actually worry less about the order than we do to know about the totals. I'm curious because yeah. WL is the one we missed. If you don't mind me asking, what was it about their resume that stood out that, that deserved the selection from your perspective so that I can understand that from a better perspective on our end? Yeah, you know, I think you talk about St. Lawrence. That's kind of who you guys had in, right? Yeah. And we had WNL, uh, 22 and 5 versus 20 and 6, 515 for St. Lawrence, a 519. WNL's ranked wins were to a 3, 5, and a 6. And St. Lawrence's were to an 8 twice, same 8 twice, and a 9. So we felt like WNL. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would have gone WNL in that case, too. So the results I mean, versus kind of got us there. Yeah, when you're at the end there, right? It's, it's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> you want them all to be in. It's like yeah. towards the end. It's, it's just really tough. How much did you guys use secondary criteria? Uh, I didn't feel like we used it nearly as much yesterday as we had in regional ranking calls. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that, I think Mike spoke to it a bit, but I think when you're uh, comparing teams across regions, primary gives you some more data maybe. And there's not as much splitting hairs because not as many common opponents, not as many head to heads where you're kind of split, splitting as close ones. So um, let me skip ahead to bracketing. Cause I've had you in enough time. I don't want to drag this out. How many were left to bracket? Uh, six of us. Okay. And our liaisons. I know you lost some. I just lost track of who. I know you lost Michelle. You lost um, Bethany. You lost Nate. Nate and JC. And JC. Okay. I think well, that's it. So I know you've already heard some of this, so it, it's going to be a little easier to walk into. So bear with me, though. The one thing I noticed when I got the bracket was just that 
there felt like there were a lot of games in region against each other that just a small twist, a small move, a small pod swap doesn't change hosts necessarily. It doesn't change it doesn't change mileage necessary, but it changes the scope and the look of that bracket. There were times you guys had some spots that were tremendous. I mean, WNL up to NYU, love it. Uh, obviously, we've got a pot. You guys split up the Texases. Those are some interesting moves. But then there were others like the the pod. Was it at Marietta or not? not it involves Marietta. I apologize. Uh, Hope. Yes. Um, where you have Catholic, very much the same La tune. LaRoche, Marietta, and Wittenberg there. Right. So it's the same tune. It, it's the same yeah. one we've seen. Did you... How much do you guys realize that when you're doing it? How much do we not understand is the process? Yeah, Hope LaRoche, Marietta Wittenberg, for example. Yeah, um, so I, I can respect your guys' thoughts and kind of making it a more uh, national tournament. I, I think that we could get a little bit more creative. I will say that I thought I understood the bracketing process a lot more this time, maybe because I was more involved. Maybe it was because the first time I did it, you know, I was a newbie and just kind of deer and headlights look sure um but we've really tried to keep the integrity of the tournament by giving the top 16s hosting opportunities when oh, sure. possible. so that that we that's where we started okay we knew cnu wasn't going to be able to host because of their men we knew the same about mary Harden baylor um and then also with the t texas i thought splitting texas was great that's not something we've done since i've been on the committee yeah that's um, good i really i really like that move and because we did that, teams that were in our top 16 potentially to host fell out. Sure. So there, there were a couple, um, you know, we ended with, you know, three hosts in region nine, yeah. um, you know, and some of that makes it tough. Um, so I, I, I can see where you guys are saying that. I thought we still did a good job of trying to um, reward the teams that deserve to host and potting the teams and making them as equal as you can in March. I mean, at this point, I mean, there's lots of teams that can say they don't like their matchup, but who does right now? I, I would think nobody, you know, like that's what yeah. March Madness is all about. At this point, there's 64 teams in, and I, I would think that almost everybody thinks who knows what can happen sure. this weekend. Listen, and this isn't a fair blush, but I'm just going to give an example. That Hope Quadrant, this is my initial thought. I know that's not perfect here. There's better ways to maybe do it. But you got Hope LaRoche, Marietta Wittenberg. They're all from the same region. They're all from nearby. Those are all games they could play against each other. Right below them is Milliken, Wartburg, Eau Claire, North Central. I don't know if this is possible, but off the top of my head, I think 600 miles would allow you to get Milliken and Wartburg to Hope instead and take the Marietta Wittenberg and take, send that to Eau Claire. And all of a sudden you have a very different feel and it's not one region in one pod and one region in the other. That's kind of where my brain goes. And I'm wondering, and I, that, you know, we talk about the, on the men's side, we heard a quote a long time back trying to have all, this was when we had eight regions, have four regions in each pod. So yeah. that's kind of where our brain goes. And yes, we're grandiose. We want the, the pie in the sky sure. to some degree. But that's where I also think sometimes that seems like a simple thing. But I also realize you're working on nine hours of work. But do you understand where I'm trying to get with that corner? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think those are things right in hindsight, like we looked, I, I studied the previous two years brackets that we had. Uh, we, we tried to avoid teams that have played each other. Can right. they play each other? Yes. Have they in the past? Yes. Some of those teams have. Um, 
We also probably didn't try to stretch that 600 miles as much in certain situations sure. as we maybe could have. Um, again, you made the comment earlier, what's another hour and a half on the bus? I, I, I don't did, know. If but it, I, I, somebody I, did. No, somebody did. No, you're right. You're right. I'm trying to I don't to know as a coach if I want my kids on a bus for 500 plus miles. I don't know. Um, so I think those are interesting um, points. And I, I think discussion topics for us to talk about moving forward. Well, another one I'm not trying to beat on. I'm just trying to give examples. W and J is playing Transylvania. Those are two same region. You got Southern Virginia playing Shenandoah. They're literally a couple hours apart on I-81. Just a swap there. You you could swap Southern Virginia and Washington and, and, and Jefferson. And I'm being a little too simplistic, I realize. And you've sure. also got a very different feel and it, it's all in the same place still. Yeah. And, you know, if I was to take anything from yesterday, I think I would just hire you to do the bracket next year. I'm available. <laughs> I am a consultant. I, I do send a fee. Um, no, I'll, listen, we're nitpicking too, because there was a time these brackets were a heck of a lot different, not in a good way. And we've seen, again, I, I like the Texas look. I like the Washington Lee going to NYU. We want to give it as much, I feel, as much of a national feel as we can give it under the scope that is division three. And as you said, you know, you don't necessarily want to be stuck on a bus the whole time. I, I get all yeah. that. Yeah. And I think, you know, we respected Whitman. I, I tried for that one. You know, we had to limit flights and we were at two, the men were at three. So Whitman was three flights and we could get it to two. And so maybe we, we figured that out too well, and maybe we should have pretended like we couldn't. And so we could give them the opportunity to host, but that does you know, seem, I have, but that also looked like you built that pot around Whitman because you got the two Texas and Whitten and Whittier. It does feel like you designed that for Whitman. You just sent it to Harden Simmons. We did because we thought they'd earned it, uh, you know. And so if if we weren't going to be able to get three flights to allow them to host, you know, we felt like we needed to try to uh, do some work in that pod. St. John Fisher. It feels like that was designed for them to host. No. No. Okay. You were going to ask me that one. Well, I I don't know. It just for some reason it stuck out. I do see Amherst kind of in that spot that kind of re represents a host. I just didn't know if St. John Fisher didn't put in, to be honest. I just felt like maybe they were a host pos possible they, pick. I believe they did. Um, okay. It was it was not designed for them to host. It was Amherst, I think, again, for reasons that we, you know, like when we talked about some of the other comparisons. Okay. No, that's fine. I appreciate it. Um, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, Lutheran, Simpson, Gustavus, Dolphins. Again, if, I don't want to beat the death. Just a couple examples of where it jumped out. Overall, though, what were your biggest hurdles when it came to this bracket? Well, I think probably the biggest one was our overall number one not being able to host and trying to figure out a way to do that. Um, I think working with the new mileage um, and tr and trying to get some more teams different looks that they've not seen in the past. You've identified some that have probably been pretty familiar. I think we did do okay in some areas. Um, you know, I, I said probably four times to the committee, I love Texas being split up. I've said it multiple times here tonight. Um, so I think it's just, you know, trying to keep the integrity of those teams that have earned it um, within the parameters of division three and, and what we have from a geography and budgetary standpoint. Um, sorry, real quick text. No, you're uh, good. Had to send it. Um, no, it's an interesting bracket. You guys had some interesting, I mean, we don't have that many Texas schools normally, uh, for example. Uh, ASC certainly was strong there. Uh, we were joking. We could see a Mary Harden-Baylor-Harden-Simmons championship. We don't even get that in football. Um, 
and there's arguments that maybe we should. Uh, by the way, where's NYU playing their games? I forgot to look that up. They've oh, had three homes this year. Um, it's a D1 in Brooklyn. I don't oh, know. Oh, okay. I know where it is. I was just curious. I might make home yeah. number four for all I know for them. Yeah. Uh, that's just, that's just, do you worry about that kind of stuff when it's not technically their home or is it no big, is it just doesn't matter as long as it hits the specs? I don't think it matters as long as it hits the specs and they've earned it and they've put in the bid to host and feel like they can handle it. Um, back to this, the type of question, like it is for the banana slugs, um, only because I forgot I should have asked it earlier. Webster, obviously they lose in the conference tournament. Everything we see, they wouldn't have made the tournament. Yeah. You didn't Um, have to have that conversation. But how hard is that conversation to maybe consider? I I think it's really hard. Um, they were definitely talked about. It's not like they weren't considered. Um, and, and we didn't get to that point. But I will tell you that we had the conversation this week earlier, uh, midweek last week and uh, yesterday. You know, if they didn't win, they're 25 and or, you know, they're undefeated. And how can we not take a team like that in the tournament? Now, just like everything else, they had not, they didn't have a ranked win. Um, they, they have a low SOS, their secondary, their non-conference SOS was lower than their regular SOS. So it's hard to look at that and be like, they're trying to build their resume. They're trying to do um, what they need to do to be a, a bid for the national tournament. And so those were the discussions around them. Um, they were obviously talked about, and that was very high on our radar that they were undefeated and hadn't done anything um, to not have an opportunity. Grateful we didn't have to have that discussion. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you are. Just like the men were back in whatever year it was, the Lancaster Bible escaped that conversation because it wouldn't have been pretty, uh, to say the least. Um, what are you looking forward to with these three weeks? Oh, you know, I said I had a story, and I just have to tell you, you opening with those uh, teams waiting. That was me back in 2002. Um, I was one of those student athletes in division three, just waiting to hear our name called. And it was, and I was joking. If any, any coach was wondering about a tough first round matchup, tough second round matchup, we got in, we hosted on a Wednesday night. That's when they had a Wednesday night. Oh, right. And we played Lake forest and at t- people in the community would ask us, who do you play if you win? And we had to go to wash you who hadn't four-time defending national champions at the time. Kind of good. Hadn't lost a a game at home in, I don't think, four years. Um, No, you're right. And and we said, we're just grateful to be in the tournament. We're we're just grateful. We had lost three games up to that point. We went to Wash U, the mecca of basketball back then. I'm dating myself. And and we beat them. Dating all of us. And we beat them. And we went on to win the national championship. And so this is really special for me um, just to – come full circle. Um, you know, today was a tough day and and I think it's hard, right? Like if it, if things were easy, the computer would figure it out and you and I wouldn't have anything to talk about that would already be done. Um, and, and for the teams that are in congratulations, that's awesome. I'm excited for the tournament. Um, and I'm just, it's been really, really fun. It just feels good to be back here. I actually brought up your team in an email to somebody completely unrelated to that story. Because you're the last state Double school holes. to win oh. a D3 women's championship. Really? Yeah. Wow. Those are good times. There were only good. four on the women's side. Men, that's not the same story. But on the women's side, there's only four. And the last one was 2002. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a completely unrelated story. Someone knocking 
the fact that there are state schools in Division Three, not quite understanding the the entirety of that conversation, but um, that is a good story. Yeah, waiting to get in. What was the size of the tournament back then? Oh, I don't even know. I, we were just happy to be in. I have no idea. We, I think Stout it was sixty four, but I don't know if we were in the play in stage then. Stout beat us twice in the regular season, and Oshkosh beat us in the semis. And I remember we made shirts that said "Stout fan for a day." We needed them to win the AQ so we could pray for a pool seat. <laughs> You made shirts? We sure did. Sharpie markers. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. That is out that is outstanding. Do you miss coaching? I do. I do a lot. Um, I will say I've said to so many people that this has been so great for me to be tied to women's basketball still. And I just I've really enjoyed my time on the committee and as the chair for sure. Uh side note, Pittsburgh's gonna be a little bit busy. Yeah. They got the D. I got the D1 yeah. championship while, or the D1 opening weekend while, uh, on the men's side while we're playing there with the women's final four. Maybe not the choice that should have been made. Should somebody have at least crossed some I's and dotted some T's? Whether D3 was there and D1 shouldn't have rewarded or or vice versa. Yeah, maybe. Um, but we've we've tried to take it. It is what it is, right? We've tried to take it as a, a opportunity and do some cross promotional stuff. Um, you know, I, I think it's a great opportunity for some of the teams that make it there to potentially catch some other basketball that weekend with us going to Thursday, Saturday, having game on Friday. And so just some opportunities there. And, um, you know, Duquesne is beautiful. Their facility is beautiful. I'm very, very excited and and think this will just be Overall, great experience. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Um, so I appreciate your time. I'm sure I could ask you a hundred more questions, but you also kind of knew what we were coming in. You, 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 you did some advanced scouting. I did. You did. Got to do my homework. You did you? You reviewed the tape to see what the landscape looked like uh, and got ahead of a few things on me. Every coach does a scouting report, right, Dave? No, this is true. I should have <laughs> known better. <laughs> um, hey, listen, I really appreciate it. I've got some ideas I'd love to share somewhere and not, not bad ideas, just some ways to tweak and improve. Not you guys. I mean, the overall thing, the overall yeah. process. So I'd love to chat with them sometime, but I know we'll talk to you down the road. As always, we give the, the uh, guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? I just want to thank you for all the time and the opportunity. Mike and I texted and called today and said how impressive it was that you got 38 out of 40 and how we felt like we did a good job of explaining what the criteria was and what that meant to get in the tournament. So we patted ourselves on the back for your guys' good work last night. You should. Um, So, And I I mean, Mike has been great. I've learned a lot from him. He's let me lean on him in some tough situations and regions. And so wish him and his committee and his team the best of luck and then um, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank our our national committee. They've done a great job. Um, they've had a lot thrown at them as everybody else has. And so just to my committee and the regional committees, thanks so much. And just to all the coaches that are watching, um, congratulations. This is what March is all about. And to be uh, playing and dancing and having an opportunity for something great is pretty special. So good luck to everybody. Well, well said. I really appreciate the time. Uh, really appreciate the insight. Yes, you you make our job better when you're open about it, and we appreciate that. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road and marching our way towards Pittsburgh. And enjoy it yourself. I will. Thanks so much, Dave. Thank you. Take care. Megan Wilson, join us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. We'll take a quick break when we come. Pat, uh, Pat will at least join us again. We'll try and recap, not stick too along with the show, but we'll recap some things and wrap up this one. And I'm going to go get some rest and a drink afterward. I don't do a lot of drinking these days, but need one. 
I want to thank the committee chairs for being on the show so often. Really helpful, really in, in, informative, and we appreciate it. Um, we'll talk more in a bit. You're watching Hoop Hoopsville. Oh, you know what? We really should mention our sponsors before I go because uh, a lot of them have done a lot of work to get uh, or help us be in this situation. I want to thank Sensible Sports Marketing, especially uh, looking for promotional products or apparel. Sensible Sports Marketing has the largest selection of coll- in college athletics. If you can dream it, they can do it. From game day giveaways to premium donor gifts and more, visit Get Sports Sense or call 800-575-4765. I also want to thank Jersey Genius. They're the ones that are the reason we got so many jerseys hanging up behind us, along with my wife, by the way, who's done a lot of the help. I want to thank Jersey Genius. We're going to get a promotional thing going with them. Uh, You should be looking out for it on our Twitter account this week, at D3 Hoopsville, obviously. A way that maybe you can get your hands on a Jersey Genius as well. They're really affordable if you want to hang some jerseys in your office, your man cave, your woman cave, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Jersey Genius, want to thank them for their support. And, of course, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. The National Association of Basketball Coaches works to further the best interests of the game of basketball and the coaches and players who participate in the sport. The NABC thanks its nearly 5,000 member coaches, including the many Division Three coaches who impact our game, for upholding the core values of leadership, advocacy, service, education, and inclusion. For more information on the NABC, head to their website, nabc.com. Back with more after this. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. 
It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet. Welcome back to Hoopsville. It's Pat Coleman and Dave McHugh for your finale here on Hoopsville. Presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. Again, thanks to our partners at Sensible Sports Marketing, NABC, Jersey Genius. Pat, got an idea for you, Jersey Genius. If you got some jerseys, we'll get them hung up. Do for it. I do have jerseys. I'm not going to have them up here in my living room. I did want to note that, yes, I did not go all the way down to my basement studio today. I wasn't um, going to give it away. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, didn't think know, it needed to be We could have away. the step and repeat wall behind me, blah, blah, blah. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying not being confined to my basement quarters so much. Of Fair. Um, listen, I'll be, I'll be honest. I probably, I probably could have asked more questions of both of them, but I'm also a little brain dead at this point. Um, I was very interested. Do you mind if I just come up with a thought for the moment? Feel free. It's it's not. It's almost the most recent thing Meg Wilson said, other than you know the 2002 uh, Stevens Point win at WashU. Like when being a large team. When she said that, I remember I remembered exactly what our front page looked like that (laughs) night. You know, which I think was basically February 28th of 2002. It's maybe 20 years ago tonight. Um. If I go back, I mean, I just tweeted out that URL and it would tell us. That's what I was just uh, doing. I was cheating. No, March 2nd. Um, March 2nd. Okay, that's much, much better. March Madness belongs in March, my man. Yes, it does. Um, D1. But, you know, it's like it brings back specific memories. I remember exactly where I was. It was kind of like a shot heard around the world moment. And then, of course, the Pointers and, and Shirley Egner go on to win the whole darn thing that year. Um, but the thing I actually wanted to talk about was the Webster thing, because that's a very interesting conundrum, right? It's like these decisions, and we say this a lot on the football side too, they are made by human beings. Human beings are affected by things that affect human beings. And like she said, you know, Meg Wilson said, it's like, you could just throw it all to the numbers and let a computer make the decisions. Uh, it would be very difficult to have left Webster out of the uh, out of the conversation. And thankfully, Webster, you know, took care of business and didn't leave their fate in the hands of a committee. But I think it's one of the things that is always instructive to remember um, is that they are people and people are affected by the things that affect people. No, I think that's that's really grandiose the way I just said that. No, but it's a, it's a, it's a fair point that um, it's not cut and dry a lot of the time. Um, And that it is, you know, listen, we're not, we're not going to get them perfect. Uh, I'm yeah. amazed when we get as close as we do sometimes, uh, and I'm certainly thrilled by that. And 19 out of 20, 38 out of 40 was a good year for us anyway. No, it really was. Um, I tell people all the time, I think there was one year we got all the men's right, for whatever reason. I think there might have been more than one, but yeah. Maybe. One I just remember this one particular year, years. we got them all right, but we missed three women, I think, or maybe even four. And I wasn't and happy. I think- yeah, and I think maybe last tournament we might have even missed five women's picks. Ooh, God, don't bring that one up then. I don't want to know about I it. I have a I have a list downstairs on my desk in my cell. Yeah, in the I would be interested to know that one, but I don't want to know uh, it now. I'll, I'll dig that back out. I was thinking about it today as we hit 19 out of 20. 
And also, I'll be glad to get on US 52 and head down to Decorah, Iowa anytime we want to uh, engage in some moving around of uh, teams in the three and four lines in any particular pod. Yeah, I'm a, Megan may still be listening. I, I, I get I, the... Kind of think she is. I feel like, yeah. that. but I made that. I don't mind that she's she's listening. I just hope she understands we don't hate the bracket. Um, no, I felt and and Dave, you know, I mean, the comments that we made at the top of the show, I think, you know, I think they're, I, I still think they're fair. I don't know if they're nitpicks. I think they're slightly better, slightly above nitpicks. Yeah, fair. Because there have been years that we have only been left with nitpicks, and that's great. Oh, absolutely. I love when the only thing that you can nitpick about is who's who's the two and who's the three in a pod or something like that. <laughs> Things that make almost no difference whatsoever. Right. Or what time um, a game has started. Oh, right. What time a game is starting. Um, or, you know, what time someone says what time a game is starting. Um, but, you know, in reality, you know, there's some things that certainly could um, could improve this bracket. But, you know, we have had years where, if you remember, it wasn't that long ago, Dave, where there were eight regions and there were 16 hosts and every region got two hosts, whether it deserved it or not, because that was the way that committee decided to do things. Both and we progressed a long way. And also to hear to hear Meg talk about um, strength of schedule being important, um, where, you know, we, strength of schedule has always had a little bit of importance, but it has seemed like for the last 15 years or so that the women's committee has been a little bit more skewed towards winning percentage in terms of at-larges than to strength of schedule. So it's nice to hear that there's some acknowledgement of that. And then I'm just going to throw back even to a, the segment before that, you know, how often do you have both committee chairs on to talk about common themes and common questions and common discussions at the same time? And I think, what did that segment run 15 minutes, 20 minutes or so? That's never happened before, has it? This year was the first time we got them both on, and we did it every yeah. time. Every time we right. talked to a committee chair this year, we had them on simultaneously. We've never done that before. And it, and I think yeah. it happened part and parcel that be, when I was talking to both of them, I kind of went, why aren't we talking to you both? Because the criteria information is the same. You might be doing it differently, but it doesn't mean we can't have the same conversation with you. And maybe they shouldn't be doing it differently, but it sounds like those are discussions that are also being had, which was also great to hear. Though I had... Listen, I don't want to be in lock stock that they're exactly the same for both. Uh, I, I appreciate with the fact that the men have a different SOS mathematic than the women do, that that's going to be a slightly different conversation just in the root of it. But I agree, we at least should come back towards the middle. There are times I do think the men's basketball takes the SOS way too seriously. Um, rightly or wrongly, and I could be out on its limb, but there's sometimes I'm like, come on, listen, I get they have an amazing SOS, but... You know, we can't be rewarding those who scheduled well. It's yeah. It, you also do have to win some games, right? Right. I think this is where I mean, there are there are not. I don't want to say there are fundamental differences, but what I do want to say is that you know you can just look at our top twenty-five rankings going into the tournament every year, in which there are almost always multiple women's teams who are undefeated going into the tournament, and there are almost never any men's teams who are undefeated going into the tournament. And I think that's kind of like. That's where the difference still is, right? Yeah. Um, yes. The, the, you know, in most conferences, it's going to be very difficult for even the very best teams in men's basketball to go undefeated. And in women's basketball, it's not necessarily that case. There's still a bit of a wide range. Agreed. In, we talked about it earlier, just the amount of staffing that you have for your program. Do you even have a full-time head coach? Now, most women's basketball programs do have one full-time head coach these days. Um, 
do you have a full-time assistant? Maybe not. It's how seriously does your athletic department take women's basketball? There's almost no athletic department that doesn't take men's basketball seriously. If you have men's basketball, you take it effing seriously. But that may not be the same for women's basketball. Not every athletic department puts the same kind of, um, you know, the same kind of understandings or set the, sets the same kind of standards for it, right? It might be that a men's basketball coach who doesn't go 500 in five years gets shown the door, but a women's basketball coach who goes 500 over five years, if the student athletes are having a good experience, et cetera, et cetera, they might be satisfied with that. And I don't think that, you know, that's just not the case generally in men's basketball. It's still the case some places in women's basketball is what I'm saying. And that's why sometimes it's easier, easier. Uh, more women's basketball teams can run the table in a conference yeah. or run the table in a in a, a regular season than they can in the men's. And that's kind of where still some of those things are different. And so I can see this is a very long way of saying I can see why strength of schedule is important to the men's basketball committee. Uh, sorry, I was trying to get to some SOS. Well, data. and I know I just monologued for like two and a half minutes. No, so, you're fine. Um, I just tried to get the to last some... poor Yorick. I knew him, Horatio. Nicely done. Try to get to Thank some you. SOS data from the NCA and the link didn't go where I wanted it to. Um, uh, the sheet's not working? Yeah, apparently not. Um, uh, you go to d3hoops.com and I think- That's where I was. Oh. Well, I, didn't I, want to no... throw, I didn't want to throw you there, sir. But <laughs> Throw us under the bus. I didn't change our links or anything. No, it, it was definitely an auto-, auto um... So what are we looking for? I think I've got some I stuff. just wanted to see the difference between two teams in the, in the Region 5. Um, region 5 women? Men, actually. Well, all right. Got a question on why uh, Eastern ended up ahead of Susquehanna. Um, yeah, I was wondering about that too. So let's take questions. I'm looking back at the bracket and yeah, at the tournament. I wanted to. So I, I just was curious. My men's region five Eastern is ahead of Susquehanna and Eastern. That's interesting. They do not have a better. Uh, they have a better record. And they lost on the final day where Susquehanna did not. And now I've got Eastern at 21 and 5, 555 SOS. And Susquehanna 23 and 4, 537 SOS. Eastern 2 and 4 against regionally ranked opponents. Susquehanna 4 and 3. Eastern with a much better uh, non conference SOS. Um, but that's a secondary criterion that probably shouldn't come into play here. I guess I don't know why. Eastern I'd have is to ahead see some common opponents and stuff. Yeah, I don't know the answer to right. that. I, I I know. Uh, um, where um, <laughs> the person who's asking says, "I know I have a bias here. His last name happens to be Marcinic, and no, it's not the head coach." Um, <laughs> and uh, Scott, I did reply that it, it but it's is, been that way the whole. It's been that way previously too. It was that way last week or the week. Yeah, one. I I'd want to break it down more. I just wanted to point out to him, it's not just about the fact that Eastern lost in the MAC championship. Um, but that said, they played Lyco, right? Eastern played Lyco. Yeah, so Lyco jumped into the into the rankings. That may have just had some other impact there. Could be an Eastern um, we know was that's, two spots yeah. ahead of Susquehanna before. So yeah, I know. I'd have to dive a into gap it. That closed, but not completely. Yeah, I'd have to dive into it. I don't know the real answer uh, off the top of our head, Scott, but I'll, I'll look into it for sure. Um, yeah, I was looking around to see if we did get any uh, questions uh, out there. Um, I, because, you know, we got a little bit of time here. We can at least talk about some things. Overall, um, you know, I. I 
I don't have a lot to complain about. Yeah, the women's side, we could talk about making a better bracket. And I, and again, we're talking about not the entire bracket because there are some good things on that bracket. There's just some yes. things that felt like they just got missed, rightly or wrongly. It, it But it's, again, our opinion. Um, I think, you know, what, you know, if I were suggesting what would be helpful is like, you know, on our team, on our bracketology team, Ryan Scott is the guy who comes in at the end and says, and is very dogged about, let's take very close look at these three and four seeds in each of these pods and make sure that they're all making sense. And does it make sense? Like for us, I really should have kept my projections. Once the bracket came out, I closed out all the projections tabs. Um but there was a point last night where it was like we took who was projected to go to Marietta as the four seed and who was projected to go to Wesleyan or Randolph Macon or something like that. And we swapped them because it seemed like Marietta is going to be higher up in this, the 16, as it were, mm-hmm. and deserves the deserves the opponent that's farther down in the rankings. Right. Um, so we made that change. I think, you know, those are the sorts of things that, you know, there's still once you get four teams into a pod, you may have a home team that's a clear home team that's your one and someone who's, you know, probably a, a, a lower seated champ in a lower kind of pecking order conference. That's your obvious four. Um, and then you have your at large team. That's probably a two and then a champion who's like a one seed in a, in a average conference. That's your three. That's kind of a general way of how a pod of four gets put together. Um but you still, you know, take those fours and move them around, take those threes and move them around. So like you talked about swapping, maybe it was Marietta and Milliken, something like that. That's yeah, my, it wasn't an easy thing, but it was it. Marietta, Wittenberg and, and Milliken, Wartburg swapped around in some way. And I think they could. Um, I don't know if Marietta and Wittenberg can go, both get to Eau Claire because Eau Claire is pretty far west in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, which I always It's only 100 about. miles from me in Minneapolis. Um, but one of those teams you could swap probably Wittenberg or something out there. But you also or, had down the you know, lower we talked about Roger Williams and Bates and that sort of thing. Right. Well in the lower left you've got Oshkosh, Wisconsin Lutheran, Simpson, Gustavus. And it yeah, felt a very traditional pod. Yeah. It just felt and I know it's a little westward, so I, I get that. But I just feel like two Wisconsins and then a Minnesota and Iowa, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, well, and I don't I mean, know the mileage. Is... Again, if these are the things we're quibbling about, right. and we're not quibbling about who got in because we're pretty satisfied to get 95% right there. Right. That's an A. That's an A. That 95%. is an A. That is an A. You're getting a 3.7 on your GPA out of that, right? Or a 4.0. Um, we're talking about those things that we're just talking about rearranging deck chairs. Right. This is a pretty good, that's a pretty good bracket. And this is the one we're less happy with. Right. No, that's a good it's point. It's pretty good. No, that's yeah, no, good. absolutely agree with you. I want to say one more thing. And Please. this is something that might go unnoticed and we haven't talked about it a ton, but you know, just the fact that, you know, because of I guess facility and scheduling issues, those women's semifinals are on Thursday and the championships are on Saturday. Um, um yeah, and hotels. Yeah. So Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm not bummed oh, about that. By the way, CBS might have a little bit to do with that too with putting the title game on Friday, they may not be able to put it on Saturday along with the men's game. I heard that somewhere. I'm not one of the, the thing I'm trying to say is I'm yeah. not bummed about being able to see the nationals, the women's national semifinals on Thursday 
and then go to Fort Wayne and see the men's semifinals on Friday and then see a championship game. I've, I'm tempted. I just don't know if I might need to be somewhere on Thursday instead, like Fort Wayne. Um, but I've certainly thought about doing the same. Well, I'm already booked. I mean, I haven't put in my credentials. For me, it'd less, just be a drive, but it would break travel. up the drive. Exactly. But yep. there's some things in the, not in the works, but there's some quirks in both. Uh, I'm going to walk a little carefully here. There are some, there are some things regarding both weekends that are happening differently that may require me to get to Fort Wayne sooner or at least be around. I don't know how that's going to play out, but I, I'm going to keep my options open. Cool um, story, dude. Hmm? Thanks for the vague booking on there. Well, you kind of know what it is, but um, we're, I'm going to try and nail down by Thursday being able to say more about that. Unfortunately, one of my sources has not gotten back to me. Um but we'll get more into that. Um, no, I put the smiley face reaction, but I don't think it's showing up. No, it, it, show, it popped so up. Popped up. Did it? Okay. Yeah, it popped up. <laughs> I don't know how to do that on Zoom, but I don't, I'm, don't need to be as proficient. See if there's any last questions oh. out there from anybody. Um, if not, you can shout at us on Twitter. That's what most people do. Yeah. Um, at least just have an informed question. So, uh, you know, of course, we always get those uninformed ones this time of year. Um Overall, though, no, good good stuff. Yeah. Uh, the committee's been pretty open. I did hear from some who want them to be a little bit more open. Uh, I think, and this is not a knock necessarily, but it's certainly it's a critique. I wouldn't mind if the liaisons were a little bit more relaxed with some of the protocols for what they want said. Um, I've and, and it's not something been told to me. I just get this re- sense sometimes that. There's a bird in their in their ear saying you can't say that or don't tell them that or don't give them that information. Ultimately, these chairs should decide what they do or don't want to say, I think. I don't know why it's as is as uh controlled as it is sometimes. Uh maybe I don't appreciate something that I'm missing. Um I do know that Dave, I don't think I'm in a position to say anything about what the liaisons might say. No, no, and I wasn't even referring to that. This is behind the scenes that you don't all need to know about. I was actually seriously talking about there are times and, and not necessarily always with this crew, but in, in the past where I just feel like liaisons are like, do not tell them that. Um, do not give them that information. Do not do this. And some of it I think is up to it should be up to the chair. They want to give that information, let them give that information. If they choose they yeah. don't want to give that information. That's fine. I don't understand what what the worry is there from a larger picture because I get the sense that it's a large. Listen, there are some school, there are some sports we absolutely know, though we're not involved in, who do not give information. Plain and right. simple. They do not want to be questioned. They don't want to give out information. It's why some of these things take so long for us to uh, enjoy in basketball or in football or in other sports because there are other sports who are locked down. Yeah. But I don't right. There's no so there's no D three fieldhockey.com per se. Right. And you know, like the D three lacrosse presence is not someone who's gonna be out there and you know, watchdogging. I still feel like, you know, you and I, Dave, have been uh have been lectured this year about what we think the role of media is uh, at this level, right? And we are still gonna play that, we're still gonna play that role. We're still gonna do the watchdog things that media uh entities should do you know, we'll do it in a collaborative way and in a non-confrontational way whenever possible, but we're still going to play that role. 
Um, but, you know, nobody's doing that for lacrosse and nobody's doing that for field hockey. And, and I'm not sure it's being done for soccer and some of those other, you mentioned volleyball. It's probably true too. Um, you know, if nobody is holding those committees feet to the fire to ask questions, it is going to change how s- slow the pace is of some things that might happen in other sports, because in the end, a lot of that still reports up to the big championships committee that is all sports in division three in order to get some reforms and right. some changes done. Um, Alan Babbitt on uh, Twitter, shout, shout, shout in all seriousness. Thanks for the hard work or for all thanks, the work. Alan. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Alan. I appreciate it. Congratulations to your teams. Uh, got the men's reaction on our, 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 recap at the beginning it was fun to watch them react it's fun to see the calvin reaction too the men calvin reaction was fun to watch um hey a couple of topics let me just bring them up uh because i just realized we haven't had a chance to talk to you about some things first off let me backtrack you tweeted this out last night but i figured i'll give you the airtime tim fitzpatrick had some interesting thoughts to say i feel a little odd to react to him personally okay no just because so, uh, I'm, so i can react to them well instead. I, so you tweeted you have that perspective i think that's maybe better than me sitting in this chair and he's talking about you know so i think what you're talking about dave is you know we brought in or you brought in uh you know a guy who's been a former committee chair back about six or seven years ago or so and kind of you know we had talked about this coming into the week is like what can we do to make sure that we're on the right track and i think the thing that you and i discussed was like well why don't we bring in someone who used to be the chair and have them you know, observe you and see if you guys are doing the right thing. And I, you know, kind of threw that into the, into the conversation, didn't track where it was going from there. And then last night someone shows up and says, you guys are doing a great job, which is great. I loved to hear that. And I'm sure you did. And by the way, they were told if we were doing it wrong to tell us. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's good. That's good too. Right. Not just blowing uh, sunshine up your. If we're doing it wrong, I want to know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You know, um, and, and uh, Meg Wilson and Mike Shower both uh, pointed this out. It's like, that means that they're doing a good job of explaining what the criteria are. And that is true. But I'll say this too. I mean, we have been following this really closely since John Zeke was the men's chair, which is what, 2002, 2004, something uh-huh. like that. It is forever ago. Yeah. Since the veil, you know, the veil of secrecy, the... Uh, you know, do not look at the man behind the curtain kind of yeah, stuff. Exactly. First started got, getting revealed to us. We've been we've been watching this for a long time. You know, you and I have been have done more brackets than anybody who's on a committee right now, just because we don't roll off after six years. <laughs> Somehow we are still here. Yeah. <laughs> for me, 25 years later, um, still doing mock brackets. Yes. Um, we've seen a thing or two. Yeah. We know a thing or two. But Um, But I mean, it does mean that, you know, and that is one of the great testimonies for any, any committee is like, if you can explain what you're doing well enough that well-reasoned, apolitical people can take that information, can take that data and replicate it to the point of getting 95% of the at-large bids, right? And that means they're taking their criteria and they're applying them appropriately. And that is frankly all we can ask them to do. Right. Right. No, I, I thought the apolitical comment was really interesting yeah. from Tim as well. We because... are pretty apolitical. Neither of our Alma's mater are particularly important in basketball. Right? No, unfortunately. Women's um, basketball aside, go Cardinals. Though I might get a text from my, uh, 
from one of those coaches who was texting me earlier wondering why I hadn't hung the jersey recently. Um, but no, I thought his comment about being apolitical was interesting because I thought a lot of the – listen, we know that it's not perfect and they have to sometimes remind a coach – the procedures and and that's not part of the procedures. That's not part of criteria. That's natural because there's a bit of a human nature to it. But I was a little surprised that he was just blunt and said, "No, it, it's a little more political than you realize." Um, and so I, I appreciated that both. Too, and I could think of one or two people he was probably talking about. Yeah, I can too. Um, right, you think about who's the old school people and who's the new school people. Right, we're talking. Ryan Scott talked about developing the new generation of coaches and administrators taking part in this thing. Um, and those, I think those younger people, the people under, you know, people younger than you and I are going to be the ones leading the charge for it to be more about analytics, for it to be more about what have you actually done and less about, well, I really like this coach. Yeah. So I'm going to vote for this person instead of the other. Person. We're not in the day and age though, of uh, school being left out of a tournament who had a much better resume than the other one who got brought in. And that was paraphrased on D3 boards for many years. Yes, can't believe that came up. That's like two. That's two. That's two schools combined. It's Goucher and I think it's Wheaton combined into that quote. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I can't believe you and I got to reminisce about that inadvertently in our own social media worlds uh, earlier this week. Yes. That was fun, actually. It was kind of cool to see some of the names pop up there, but we don't need to dive in that. We both broke news um, in the last few weeks about a few things. Uh, you hadn't gotten your yep. chance to react on it. So I'll back all the way back up to the first one that we let out the door. Landmark Conference uh, did what you and I had been hinting to people was going to happen. Um, for like two months, right? For, yeah. I remember the conversation you and I had in Vegas where I could see you wanting another drink as the permutation <laughs> started to pop in your head as I talked to you about it. You know, they're going to they make a play here. They get bigger and everything they get for football. Um, I'm not saying that's for everybody, but that was a bold move. It's a bold move. I actually, I like that for the landmark conference Yeah. Uh, overall, not just, uh, not just for football. Oh, I agree um, with you. You know, I, and it will stay off the football cause this is back basketball selection Sunday, but from a basketball perspective, I think a conference of 10 is, is a better shake than a basketball or a conference of eight. To be honest with you, you play 18 conference games. You have seven non-conference games. That means you host a tournament. You go to a tournament and you have three more games to schedule. I think that's a pretty good non-conference schedule, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, the way that the, you know, now that our season begins the first week of November, you have, it's no longer, I think, a big deal to have conference games before Christmas. Where that used to be, you know, a thing that was like, oh my God, you can't believe you're playing conference games in December. It's like, I don't think that's that big a deal anymore. We are playing like seven weeks of basketball before Christmas yeah. at this yeah. point. So to add Wilkes and to add Lyco, I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good addition across the board for the Landmark Conference. And and um, you know, I don't know if uh, they want to hear it from us, but uh, it was good to know that uh, you know I, I think it's a good move for them. I also think you know then to be at the opposite end of the spectrum and talk about I'm just going to segue ahead to yeah. the USA South splitting in two, yes. and you know to get. Uh, you know, have that story, break that story as well. First of all, I mean, here's again, behind the curtain, like Dave does like 98% of the reporting and I do 98% of the writing on these sorts of things. Like Dave is the guy who talks to people all the time. I'm the guy who writes for a living. He's able to put my thinking into wordies. (laughs) This, uh, yeah, what he said. Um, So I talked to 
Tom Hart, who's the commissioner of the USA South, like I think two days before they make their announcement, the day that we're putting our story to publication, I have a really good genial conversation with him. It's like, he's like, yeah, yep. Um, you know, I, I can't confirm any of this uh, on the record. Uh, thanks for calling. And then we had a great conversation after that. It's not like, you know, I can't believe that you guys are trying to break news. Is that what you think your role is here in Division Three? I'm surprised that you would do this. No, it was all very much, we understand this is how the process works and, and that sort of thing. Um, and maybe it doesn't hurt that Tom Hart was the chair of the basketball committee in like 2000 or something like that, right? But <laughs> Way back. Um, you know, it's like, it was good to get, it, it wasn't going to, we weren't going to get cooperation from the USA South on that story, but, you know, we didn't get chided or whatever. Right. It's Breaking news is still a thing that we're going to do. Well, listen. What else we got cooking? If we really need to, if we really need to go there, uh, and we wanted to start treating it like that, and we want to go the D one route and report on every little rumor and scuttlebutt and everything you you want to hear, Pat and I'd be busy because yeah, there is uh, a lot a that job, floats around you know that, that you and I chase. I sit right here in this chair and do a day job every day. Yeah, and and we could chase so much. Trust me, folks. I I've got a text to get back to because someone wants an update on something because they knew I was chasing something. Hmm. Chase a lot that doesn't make air, folks. A lot, lot gets chased that doesn't make. You print. let me know when I have to write whatever story that is that you're working on. Yeah, D three. <laughs> we we could go down that road and we could be a lot like D one. So if we're coming to you about a story because we're about to publish it, know that we've done our due diligence. But more importantly, we feel it's necessary to report. Yeah, we've done our due diligence and we've done it more than once. Yes. Like we broke the Atlantic East story. Did we break the landmark story? Because we had the landmark story before the landmark had a name. Pretty Yeah, pretty sure we did break um, that one too. Yeah, I mean, you know, right. you, we, you, you talk to lots of people. And lots of people uh, enjoy chatting with me. Um, the other one too... Uh, what was I just? I just drew a blank. Uh, Utica thinking about floating on to D two. Utica D2. thinking about moving to Division two in all sports, and that means Division one hockey. Yeah, I, Utica to me, and this is just my personal opinion. Utica to me makes a better fit in Division two than Duyville did. Well, sure, um, but that's because Duyville that makes no damn sense in D two at all. Uh, but that's a low bar, sir. Dave, are you saying you haven't had a drink yet? Right? Is that right? Yeah, no, I'm stone cold I'm sober. Not. I'm out of uh, I'm out of this stuff. So, no, just just a nice little bubbles. Move on to what's next. Um, um, no, yeah, I agree. I see. I think Utica. I mean, and hockey's big in Utica. Hockey's big in upstate New York. There are a lot of schools of similar profile who are playing Division One ice hockey, right? And we were talking about Union. We're talking about St. Lawrence. We're talking about Skidmore and Clarkson. Um, Utica definitely fits that profile for sure. Now, um, those schools were grandfathered in, so they were right. able to have D1 hockey and D3 everything else. That's no longer the case. So if you want to play D1 hockey, and maybe that's what's driving Utica, I don't know. Uh, but if that's what's driving Utica, you have to be D2 in all sports. From what I, I gathered, ice hockey them or not. Ice hockey's definitely on that in the steering or in the driver's seat, along with football. I they want to play D2 football. Yeah, I don't get the football side of it. I, I agree with you. The ice hockey on just the ice hockey alone, I, I kind of understand it. It's too that's bad. That's a place where, I mean, that's good for the school in general, right? I mean, that's yeah. a place where ice hockey is big. If you want to, I mean, I don't know if your goal is to get 20 more Canadian students into your school, that's a, a route to do is a D1 hockey and you get a bunch of kids out of juniors who are kids. Right. 
who are yeah. like 22, 23, 24 years old, something like that. And you get your name on the crawl on Sports Center because you play Utica or St. Lawrence or something like that on a regular Union basis or Harvard yeah. or whatever. Yeah. No, I agree. I've, and it's too bad because there was a time where in ice hockey, you could be a D3 and bring in the hockey after the grandfather clause was in place. This was well after that because they were trying to grow the sport. They closed that. I don't remember how many years ago. I felt like that would be a good move for Utica because I don't understand. I don't, I don't, especially with two, 2025 coming, the, the looming cliff. And that 2025 is, being when the demographics of college students kind of drops off and enrollment's going to go through the floor. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be significant. You also are talking about significant conversations after this pandemic run of costs and overtures and what are we spending our money on and all of that on top of every, you know, on top of beyond to be blunt, their location. Now I hear they're they're a pretty attractive location for international. That's why they went to um, the university status. I know Utica darn well, and no disrespect, it's not Rochester and it's not Albany. Um, it's in between both. That's helpful. It is in between both. It's also not Syracuse, but so I get the premise on the ice hockey and HA. Yeah, I just don't get the idea of bringing the entire thing up to D two. I also I mean, heard if, from if a friend. If D one, if D one ice hockey is your goal, then at this point you have to play D one. Yeah, but it, right. everything else. Which, but then, then I get, then I start having issues of great. You're going to make a decision on one sport or two, and you're going to end up canceling and cl- closing other sports and affecting the student athletes of other sports because you want to have that. And that's where I, mean, I start that's having definitely, issues. That's definitely possible, Dave. I mean, I will point out that. I don't know that I don't remember how many uh, sports University of St. Thomas gave up, but it wasn't super many. I mean, they no longer sponsor men's tennis. Um, But as I look at the list of sports right now on the on the St. Thomas site, I see basically everything that I remember them having at the D3 level. So, you know, the Tommies were 10 and 20 this year uh, at the Division One level. uh, I guess uh, I suppose they're done. Uh, they beat Nebraska Omaha on Saturday, Saturday. Um, and they probably are not eligible for the summit league. Yeah, probably not, not eligible right. for yeah. the NCAAs. Um, you know, and their football team was pretty, uh, was pretty successful in a non-scholarship league at that level. Um, you know, my point being is that, you know, there's schools that are able to jump up and, and do some things in terms of competing, yeah. right? No, the I... women were seven and 21. They played, Gosh, did I just see South Carolina? I saw University of Wisconsin. They lost to the Badgers, um, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I think it's not uh, it's not impossible to jump up and do pretty well if you have a solid Division three program. And, uh, you know, Utica's okay across the board. Travis Johnson. Um, that, Ut- football, that football program is about 20 years old. Um, that's not a super long legacy, but. I don't know what D2 football in upstate New York is necessarily anyway either. So. Yeah. Travis John says Utica is the devil's AHL team, uh, which has been a success. Yes, they also didn't That's have minor them. league hockey. That's right. Yep. Uh, the devils used to be there as the Utica devils. Then they left for Albany because they thought that was greener pastures. Then they left for Binghamton. And then even though it was working in Binghamton, they brought them back to Utica. How do I know that? Because I know Utica. Uh, I, they have Ray Biggs who used to do D3hockey.com. And That's you have Ray there. Biggs out there, right. But I know Utica because I remember – miss the, you, Ray. I remember when the Devils were there when um, Fatorik was their coach. He became the Devils head coach. 
a little back behind the scenes thing. Uh, I went to school with Fatoric's son. So there you go. Uh, I know all about uh, uh, the uh, ice hockeys up there in Utica. They're very well. All right. Very well appreciated. I mean, so, but here's the, uh, to bring it back to D3 for a second. Yeah. I mean, D3 is crowded. D3 has been crowded for a long time. And we used to have like big influxes of five new schools every year. And that has petered out a little bit Mm -hmm. and that's just fine. But D3 is really crowded and it's really crowded in football. And, you know, I could see that maybe if you have any, uh, if you have any aspirations of doing something at a higher level, maybe that makes sense. But Benedictine thought about it and came back. McMurray went as far as to actually try to get into division school and McMurray, the one in Abilene, Texas, they came back. It's not all it's cracked up to be. Hashtag YD3. Mick Murray. <laughs> Not Mac Murray, but Mick Murray, right? They were sold a bill of goods. They were sold. Yeah. I mean, there was a hole in D2 in that town. Abilene but Christian they also were told that they could to go D1. on to D1 quickly. And it's that, hard to imagine. That's a really small school at the D3 level. It's hard I to know. imagine. Bill of goods. Mick Murray going to D1. It's funny talking to some of those who know this story behind the scenes. Uh, and you get the unvarnished version. Um, but right, Benedictine was basically had their foot in the water and then went, oh, this doesn't feel right. And uh, immediately cut tail and came back. Emory and Henry's off. We'll see how they do. Deuville. I, I'm Fort Frostburg State. Frostburg State, though. I still think that that's not well received um, to this in day. In Frostburg or in the Mountain East or what? I, I, th- I think for those outside of football. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I mean, that's the only sport of uh, Frostburgs I pay any attention to. Yeah. Anyway, um, any final thoughts? Because we don't have any more questions. Any final thoughts on the brackets and everything we got going ahead of us in the next few weeks, sir, before we let you go? Not not necessarily. I just know that, uh, you know, Friday is going to be a fantastic day of basketball. The men's basketball is going to start at 1 and finish around 10 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, women's basketball might not be spread that far out, but the women's games have always been a little more, bit more spread. So maybe those start at like four or four thirty, and go a little bit later, right? Um, so I'm looking forward to all that, and I'll be sitting right here in this chair because I'll be sitting right here in this chair because that's where all the games are happening. I know some people want to know if we're going to do whip around. The short answer is probably not as much as I really wanted to do it this year. Boy, what a long day whip around would be. It would be you a long day. You don't have to whip around, basically. You will just you know, maybe just follow us on Twitter. We will point you yeah, to there all you the go. finishes. Or follow our scoreboard page and see when the games come down to it. Um, I've got my uh, score, my uh, extra scoreboard operator who uh, lives in the room nice. just down the hall here who will uh, <laughs> be working scoreboard that day for us. Very nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to. We're going to be able to pull it off. We'd love to, but I don't think it's going to be in the cards. But you know, if it if it does happen, we'll let you know on Twitter, uh, and we'll make it happen. But probably not. Uh, what conference do you think? Oh, quick question, Pat. This is a good one before we let you go. Okay. What conference do you think Hartford will join, uh, and what will year will they first be in D three? I know we've discussed this question. over time, but this it we don't seem to be getting a better answer on it. Right. And so Hartford is not a state school. Do I remember that correctly? I believe you're right. Yeah, no. Because my gut is that Hartford really fits in the Little East because Hartford's a little bit of a larger school. Uh, The Little East, you know, Mass Boston, Mass Dartmouth, uh, Eastern Connecticut, West Con, those are all slightly larger schools. Those are all maybe three to 4,000 in enrollment. I feel like Hartford 
not only sits kind of within the footprint of the Little East already, it makes the Little East 10 schools instead of nine, which is beneficial for scheduling in a lot of sports. I'm not super familiar with the full, what the wide range of sports is that Hartford uh, sponsors. I really feel like they fit in the Little East. If, uh, you know, if the Little East charter doesn't allow them to take a state school as a full member, then man, they're going to be like a fish out of water almost everywhere else. They are a private school. Yeah. So they're not a NESCAC profile school New and Mac? they're not, a, are they a New Mac school? I feel like the New Mac schools are they're smaller. also, you know, schools that want to that think of themselves as being very high academic. And certainly when you've got MIT in your league, you can, uh, you can, well, they're smaller. Yeah. Maybe Hartford's they're a little too big. smaller. I mean, MIT is pretty big, right. But Fair. Emerson's not. Yeah. And, you know, obviously uh, Smith and Mount Holyoke uh, for sure aren't. And Coast Guard is a, uh, is an academy, uh, 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 not as it a federal military academy. Where is Frank Rossi to give me the, the, the picky difference between Coast Guard and Merchant Marine? I don't remember that. Um, WPI is a school with some students. Um, gosh, I don't know. It's like they're not. Are they a member of the AAU? Could they be in the UAA even? A member of the American Association of Universities, I should say, not the Amateur Athletic Union AAU. Oh, I can't tell you how many times uh, I've <laughs> right? been trying to look that up and the other one comes up. I'm like, no, I don't want that one. Um, here, I just um, called it up on Wikipedia because that's the easiest way I can find it. Um, I just feel like, you know, from a from the profile no, of the school. No. Yeah. From the size of the school, from the profile of the school, I have always thought that they most well fit in the Little East. There are some, I think there are some larger schools in the GNAC, right? Suffolk has a lot of undergrads. Um, but they would be, they would dominate the They'd be the, the behemoth GNAC, in that assume. conference. I'm sorry? They'd be a behemoth in that conference. Wouldn't they? Right. But in the Little East, I mean, even if they're not a state uh, school, they would not be significantly larger. No, I agree. Schools. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's not a fit, but it fits. Um, That's the quote I'm going to tweet out right Commonwealth there. Coast? I mean, I so you and I have had this joke multiple times offline. It's like, if you sit me down with the 25 schools and tell me, ask me to say which ones are in the GNAC and which ones are in the CCC, I'd only get about half of them. Yeah, no, exactly. No, I'm with I you. don't quite know where the GNAC ends and the CCC begins. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, no, I don't. The real trick is and when would they first be here? I don't think they've officially applied yet. Right. So I don't think their clock will start till next year. I think they're I think the plan was for them to apply next year. And so to yeah, get why into would they have three, no, you know what? No, we got to check the minutes because maybe they did apply this year. I apologize. They may have applied this year. And to get into D3, you do not need an invitation to a conference. Right. To get into Division Two, you have to have been invited by a conference before you can apply to D2. Um, but in D3, you can just join as an independent um, and kind of, you know, cast your lots where you may. I don't know. Maybe they will. Uh, maybe they'll join the coast to coast. And I'd I mean, like to mic drop on that. Can we mic drop on Hartford to the coast to coast? I mean, they could. I mean, Bob Jones needs to find, and that's the other thing. There's, there's still some schools out there that need to find some homes that have it. Bob Jones. Uh, I, I don't know Warren why, Wilson. but I think their religious um, uh, restrictions are really coming to become a problem. Warren Wilson, as you said, Asbury. Um, 
And Coast to Coast is that model schools. to give them a, 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 a kind of a platform and a bedrock to then go from where they need to go and give them some time to figure yeah, that out. So Hartford could be in that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Those schools that you just mentioned fit into the USA South or the Collegiate Conference of the South or the Heartland Collegiate Athletic Conference uh, in those uh, areas. Lyon in Arkansas. Right. Think they probably go to the American Southwest Conference to be a travel partner with University of the Ozarks. That seems to make the most sense. And they have football and the ASC wants another football program. Um, the Hartford, man, not the Hartford. That's a different thing. Hartford, Hartford belongs in the least. I, again, knowing that the profile might not be quite right from a state versus private school thing, but geographically and size of institution, that's what they most resemble to me for what it's worth. Membership committee doesn't meet until this until March. So if Hartford has applied, that's when we'll find out because that will be in the minutes. So they may have as applied. As soon as tomorrow. Yeah, no. They 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 ha- they may have applied and we just haven't seen it yet. So I don't want to say that they got to wait till next year. Let's wait till we see that membership information. Then we'll we'll have a better idea. I suspect if they didn't apply for this year due to litigation and all the other issues they're dealing with with this, then it's one more year after that. Once they apply and if they're accepted, then it's three years. The schools that have come to D1 in recent memory from are two D3 from D3. When I two D3 from D1 in recent memory is a pretty short list. We're just talking about Birmingham Southern and Centenary of Louisiana. Uh, University of New Orleans made a lot of noise about joining Division Three, and then once it was discovered that that's what they were doing, their alumni said, "Hey, we're not." Uh, signing up for that and they backed out um about as quick as they came in right there's not a yeah before they even came in yeah they made a big announcement and then almost as ugly as saint enslam's move from d2 to d3 why not you were more close on the saint enslam story than i was they announced they were coming in they even announced how well they fit in the new mac and then later in the day the new mac part of that disappeared off the statement and then from what I told, a slam dunk to join the new Mac soured quickly. Hashtag so the drama. Hashtag don't include something in your press release until you've got it maybe checked off on uh, with everybody else. Just a thought. And as someone who's worked in corporate PR departments and in school PR departments, those things are not generally written just by the athletic department. Something like this has to go through university public affairs and public relations before yeah. it gets. I don't know how they so botched kind of that surprised. that hard. There's a whole paragraph happened. that got deleted in a couple of hours. I remember, did we ran a St. Anselm story, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. I, I remember. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Okay. So there's this one individual. I'm, I'm just going to read it out loud because I want to get your 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 reaction to it only because I have a feeling I know what it's going to be. This person doesn't doesn't want to understand the criteria. This is a person who thinks Rochester should have gotten in before Cortland on the women's side. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So now the NCAA released the final regional rankings. It's now even more clear that committee members received favoritism, which is so wrong. I will expose this. I launched my new women's basketball reporting site, D3 to Hoops 3 Trill. Stay tuned, big sponsor. <laughs> okay. The last part, good luck. The first part, listen, JC Brooks is on the committee, but there are so many reasons Cortland's above Rochester in the regional rankings. It's not funny. I'm not even sure where to place that. And I'm I'm 
somewhat disappointed that we gave them that much airtime. Yeah, I um, read more than I wanted to. My brain didn't four and a shut half me games, down. Uh, like Cortland's four and a half games ahead of them in the quote unquote right. standings, right? They're 21 and five compared to 16 and nine right. for Rochester. Yeah, um, so that's where it started um, when I looked into it. And then, I assume Rochester has a better SOS because the UAA is going to. Well, sure. That, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, this person just hasn't wanted to look at the criteria the way everybody else does. But anyway. I, so, and here's the thing of just one big last, maybe big commentary thing before we go is like every time a new fan base comes into division three and, you know, obviously schools have been in division three for a long time, but if you haven't been relevant in the national basketball scene, then maybe you're not paying attention to these things. And I keep seeing people, and we've talked about this a lot, use division one as a comparison mm. for how things should run at the division three level. It's like, okay, you know, just because the division one tournament is run like this, the division one tournament, like one out of every 4.8 schools or something like that makes the field of 68. There's like 320 schools in division one, 320 divided by 68 is 4.7 schools for us to have a bracket like that. Okay. So memory plus, and what do we have? We have 420 or schools or so divided by memory recall. That's an NCAA tournament bracket of 89 teams. We just can't compare those two things. If you want to think about who might be in the field of 89, then yeah, we'll get. Well, I flip it the other way. I flip it the other way. We'll get three skyline teams, whatever. I flip the conversation the other way. I say, so if we went, if if we were going to, if you want to talk like that, let's take D3, but let's take D1 for D3 rules in just in the sense of how many teams get in. D1 has its own world because if they did, they'd have like 50 teams. Right. Instead of 68. Like, stop comparing that so-and-so from the middle of a, of a, of a, of a power conference got in. So that means the middle of a, of a conference that we're talking about should get in. Well, yeah, they got to fill the holes. Well, and let's just talk about our, um, our West Coast thing too, right? There are, I think, literally 16 Division three schools on the West Coast, right? So we go back. Did we lose you, Pat? Oh, my Lord. You start talking about the West Coast and all of a sudden you shut down on us. It is a funny shot. I feel like staying with it. I don't know. Just feels fun. Somehow we've lost Pat. All right. Enough abuse of him. We'll at least get off the camera shot. That was funny. Um, oh, good for him. Uh, that's a great way to freeze on the shot, though. I mean, he's outstanding. <laughs> I'm just waiting to see if he jumps back in. I don't know if he will or not. Um, but uh, I want to thank Pat for coming on. We talked a long time here tonight, much longer than I anticipated. I thought we'd be off the air close to 9, then backed up maybe 9.30. Oh, maybe he's coming back. He's back. He's back. He's back. Hold on. I got to get to the right camera shot. There we go. He's back. Welcome Dave, back. I have Comcast. I have Comcast for what it's worth. <laughs> Understand, sir. Um, 4% of all Division three schools are on the West Coast. There's one school in all of the mountain time. Uh, there's 16 schools in Pacific time. There's just not many schools west of the Mississippi at all, or let alone west of the Minnesota-Dakota border. Yep. So that's why it looks like this in Division Three, because that's where the schools are. Right. And I gestured to the north. The east is behind me. My bad. Yep. 
it's thanks for hanging with me during that. Uh, no worries. We did outage. embarrass you a little bit by sticking on the free shot. Cause I thought it was such I a great saw shot. That. Yeah. I just, it was a- I couldn't leave it. I couldn't leave it. It was just too good. Oh, sir. Thanks very much that. for the time. Really appreciate it. And I uh, look forward to talking to you off air and on air and the weeks ahead. Sounds good. Follow the scoreboard on d3hoops.com for all of your updates on game day. By the way, new top 25 is out. By the way. New top 25 is out. Randolph Macon's shocker, number one. What? Unanimous? Unanimous still. Actually, Dave, I thought about changing it because sometimes uh, unanimous number one going into the tournament is kind of a... Yeah. I thought about it. It's a precursor. I thought about Marietta. thought about Marietta pretty hard. I don't blame you. I see where you're going there. I don't blame you. But uh, Randolph Macon, best of luck to Josh Merkel and his yellow jackets. Everybody is gunning for you. Yes, they are indeed. Hey, take care, starting buddy. With, uh? Starting with Mitchell. Yeah. I'm not. Okay, starting with the winner of DeSales and go. Babson the next day. <laughs> yeah, I tried to be nice on the, on the NCA show. I can be a little less nice on this one. Thanks, Dave. Take care, bud. Bye. Pat Coleman joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Back to the uh, Cortland-Rochester comparison. Um, it comes down to win and loss percentage, just for the record. Uh, SOS is marginally better, but Cortland's got a significantly better win-loss percentage, and uh, that's where that ends. All right, we're going to leave you, take off. We'll be back with you on Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We'll try and squeeze in a bunch of interviews with people since we didn't do any tonight. Got a long list of those we'd like to talk to. We'll go figure it out and see if we can get some on. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Once again, I want to thank uh, Sensible Sports Marketing for being part of the program. Um, if you do want any information, you can go to GetSportsSense.com. They'll work with programs from every level of college athletics, specializing in big-time solutions for the small college budget. From designing posters, schedule cards, to large format wall graphics and more, they've got you covered. Visit GetSportsSense.com or call them at 800-575-4765. Also want to thank Jersey Genius for all the help and the jerseys we have hung up. We heard there's more jerseys on their way, and we'll get them hung up and rotated into the system. We'll finally get that camera shot I've wanted to show you more of the studio so we can show more of the jerseys. I thought it looked pretty good today on the NCAA show. We'll also work on the ones behind us. We we, we moved the uh, nice ones. I apologize to Center and Ohio Wesleyan and Greensburg, uh, Greenville. We'll move into a nice spot, but we'll maybe move these around to get some more in behind us as well. Thanks for our guests for tuning in. I want to really thank Mike Shower and Megan Wilson for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in as well. Appreciate that. Thanks to Bob, uh, Bob, Pat Coleman, and Ryan Scott as well. Take a break. We'll be back sen- uh, Saturday. Saturday, no, Thursday, Thursday, back on the air, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Also, big thanks to Blue Frame Technology. Really appreciate their support. If you want to get uh, watch this show or you want to figure out how to stream better, go to uh, blueframetech.com. You can also stream on the T1 Sports app on Apple TV, Roku, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. That's how you can watch this show on the big screen and watch it on demand. That'll do it for us, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Good night.